0: Welcome in to the Wednesday edition of Supernatural News and Parish Hair. although we're missing a little parish today, that's just a closed circuit between you and I. It is a great day, isn't it? And for that great day, we need to bring in a great co-host, the co-host with the most BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, Beer City Bruiser. How are you doing,
1: Bruiser? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> that was very Jackie Gleason of you. <laughs> 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 Uh, I'm just trying to stretch out, get ready for the good show we got sure, going on. You sure. and I off-air talking conspiracy theories got oh my, my juices gosh. flowing. So
0: yeah, yeah, we we uh, we may bring it up maybe next week. I,
1: yeah, I, I yeah, have to yeah.
0: find the phrase that pays, and then we'll bring it up next week. Let's yeah. just put it this way: it ties into my Bon Jovi conspiracy.
1: <laughs> we'll put it that way. If you kids well, remember, you, you planted that. the seed last week with the JFK stuff, so I went down a rabbit hole with that, and then, okay. then you know this week I've. I've I've gone down a few rabbit holes, actually. Um, Just, we have that story on Ed Gein yesterday, so I went down yeah. a rabbit hole on him yeah. last night. Okay. Yep. And then uh, now this.
0: <laughs> By the way, Bruiser, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the Jess Lurie uh, interview as of yet. I know a lot of people who have listened to True Crime Tuesday have heard this already. But I'm going to tell you, and I want you to get ready to have your mind blown here on air. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. In Faribault, Minnesota, just south of here, there is an actual nursing home for serial killers. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: There's enough serial killers that can go in a nursing home?
0: Yes, they're immobile, they're, which, again, blew my mind when Jess told me this live on air. I, every question I had for her after that left my head.
1: <laughs> because, yes, because there's a mobile serial killer nursing home.
0: Yes, and that means there's more than one. And, yeah. and they're, they're in this former institution, and, and it's a medium security, at least medium security institution. I, I was going to say, you've got to talk to Papa Brewster about this. He's got to know something about this.
1: Yeah, I'll ask him.
0: Um, but there is a medium security institution that is a nursing home for serial killers Oh, geez. in Faribault, Minnesota
1: are there any famous ones in there or are they just I don't know he, the mill. she doesn't know either but but here's the thing
0: we talked about it and again uh, folks listen to yesterday's interview with with Jess Lurie. she's making it the subject of her next book
1: oh yeah I, the people got to know about this i watched uh CSI Vegas cuz mm-hmm. i'm a big crime nerd and they had a case that took place at a home for violent children. So all the children that were in that home had committed at least one or two murders. Oh my God. And I'm like, wait, what? Like Mm. that can't be real. And I'm guessing they probably got the inspiration from this nursing home. (laughs) You (laughs) You know know what what
0: I mean? We joked about it a little bit yesterday. I said, you know what? With most of the authors we have on true crime Tuesday, when they want to research something like this, they'll appeal to the institution a few times and they'll get a pass to come in and a visit. Right. And I said, if you want, you just, you know, just keep appealing to the institution to get a pass to visit. And she goes, Well, that's kind of creepy. I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I said, Hey, if you need protection, I'll go with you. I'll take the shiv. <laughs> because they're old. What's the worst that can happen? It probably feels like getting a splinter or a sliver. You well, know, you sp- might
1: not be their type. You gotta think serial killers have types. That's true.
0: Well, she's definitely their type. I mean, exactly. She's, she's a, well,
1: one. She's female. There's a lot more female victims than there are male victims. And she's a good-looking woman. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I got to think that she's their type. So I'll stick around. I'll protect her. I'll take the shiv, which is probably a lot like a splinter. It's probably like a, you know, and it's probably not a lot of force behind that thing.
1: That's probably why they're like, oh, we can just put them in a nursing home. They got no strings. Right. I mean, look. There's BTK. He's drooling. <laughs> <laughs> But can you imagine being a nurse in this facility? Oh. I I envy my father cuz he was he was always around the criminals. And and he was a checkpoint for Jeffrey Dahmer. He was there when Dahmer died. Mm-hmm. So he saw Dahmer every single day. And I said, yeah, I remember when I as I got older, my question was, well, "What was he like?" Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cuz mm-hmm. how often can you say you see a notorious that you know, evil person every day. Right. I says, well, you know what, what, what happened? And he says, he says every day he'd look you in the eyes and he'd preach about how he found God and all that. But his eyes would be pure black. Oh. My dad says he's looked, he's looked drug dealers in the face. He's looked drug addicts in the face. He's looked criminals in the face. He said, this was the scariest thing he's ever seen because when he looked in his eyes, even though he was talking about God and he's saved and all that, all you saw was evil. I was like, really? He goes, yep. He goes, it would chill you to the bone. Ugh. Ugh. So can you imagine dealing with that every single day? No. Uh,
0: and, and I don't care how much they say they're saved or forgiven or want to think they've turned the corner.
1: They haven't. I,
0: I, they haven't. There's got to be that glint, that gleam in there that makes them want to do it again.
1: I think it, because it's an addiction. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get addicted to the to the power and the killing and, and you know and like for instance with Dahmer, he he didn't care about what you looked like on the outside. He wanted to see what you looked like on the inside, and he didn't want you to leave, so he was addicted to keeping you by him. Yeah. That's why he'd eat you and he did the zombies and all that. But like you talked to like Ted Bundy. He saw a pretty girl and he just had to have her. Like that's not a normal, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't yeah. go away.
0: No, that's that's not a. It's not an impulse and it's not a normal impulse. That's a behavior.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, and addicts to this day, I, I know addicts and alcoholics that are sober twenty plus years and every once in a while they're still a trigger. And that's why they go to a meeting, right?
0: And they'll tell you that that urge to drink never goes away. They yeah. manage it.
1: Yeah, and, and you find tools to help, and that's what the meetings are. There's nobody organizing a serial killer rehab meeting. <laughs> right, right, mean? right. Like, like, who wants to be that doctor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no 12 step program for serial killers. Like, that's for sure. Hi, I'm Ed. I murdered 27 people, <laughs> and I'm a serial killer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I still think about what blood looks like. Um, yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no, uh,
1: I'm curious now about this this serial killer. I know,
0: home. right? I thought I about it all there, night.
1: What have they done?
0: I thought about know? it all night. Yeah, I just, yeah. yeah, it was one of those things. So, yeah, so uh, we're gonna keep in touch with Jess, and of course, we'll uh, we'll be there when her next book comes out to talk about it. But um, maybe I can get an invite to go with her. Who knows? Oh, that'd be so cool. I would love to know what this place looks like. You know what? When you try to look it up online, though. Mysteriously, there's no information about it.
1: It's <laughs> probably because they don't want to be, it essentially would be a sideshow or a true crime attraction. Just think about it. Like, yeah. I've been to Ed Gein's property. I've been to where Don, you know, the apartment building, which isn't there anymore. It's just a lot surrounded by crackheads. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to where H.H. H. Holmes had his murder castle, which is now a post office. I've been to Ed Gein, past Ed Gein's house. You know, and like, it's like, oh, okay, these are the places, you know? Yeah, yeah. You hear about it, this, and they're still there. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's get there. Let's find this out.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, most definitely. Boy, we got a show for you today, Bruiser. Uh, lots and lots of interesting stories, good stories at that. Uh, of course, we've got uh, our our amalgamation of of. UFO stories to start out with. We're not going to start out with that, although immediately there's, a, there's some breaking news that came across our desk we want to talk about right away today. It seems uh, the paranormal is in TMZ sites, and no, it had nothing to do with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. That's not the unusual thing that we're talking about on the show today. Um, we're talking about the fact that uh, at a Adele concert in Las Vegas, uh, she found out about uh, Zach Bagans' Haunted Museum.
1: Yeah, because she has a residency out there now.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and she he was, went to one of the, like the video is him going to the show, right? Yeah, talking about it.
0: Yep. And she, yeah, and she's talking about it or, and he's in the audience and she, he throws out an invite to, to the Haunted Museum. And in her words, F yeah, let's go. Uh, so she gets an invite out to
1: the Haunted Museum. Which will be cool to see because he's got the footage of Post Malone coming to visit. Yes. Have you ever seen that footage?
0: I have. And there's an interesting comment, and I wanted to bring this up with you, on on the Haunted Museum's Instagram page. Um, I've, I have seen, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but go ahead with the Post Malone stuff. Tell me what you're going to tell me about that.
1: It's basically he, he Post Malone wanted to do a visit, so he did a private visit with him. And they go in by the Dybbuk box and that's when the salt gets moved and something moves and post Malone freaks out and runs out of the room Yeah, and then leaves, they leave the, the museum cause he's so terrified and it's like, okay, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I know Zach's with his connections. He's had a few celebrities in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's in, I, I recommend you've been there. I've been there. I recommend if you're a paranormal fan at all, You don't even have to be a Ghost Adventures fan. You don't even have to be a Zach Baggins fan. You're just a fan of the paranormal. Go to Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. It's probably the best public collection of not only haunted stuff, but – just creepy and kooky stuff, and he's yes. got the serial killer wing, and he's got the, yeah. the dolls, and he's got, you know what I mean, the Titanic room, all of that. And it's it's amazing because not only do you get the paranormal side of it, but his tour guides are very educated on history.
0: Yes, very much so. Zach has managed to do something amazing with what he's accrued in the paranormal. Uh, yeah. You know, he's taken his, his money that he's made from paranormal television and reinvested in something that – no one has ever done and yep. and never will do and and really has come up with something very special out there in Las Vegas.
1: The only other collection I can think of would be the Warren's collection, and that's not public, correct? No,
0: you can't go to that. Um, right. I mean, occasionally they may open it up for people to see, but Tony Spira doesn't necessarily make that public. It's not right. something you can just go walk in and, and see. Uh, occasionally they may do some stuff online where you can take a look at it. Um, and they have, they have a convention they do every year okay. where, you know, a, few, a lucky few may get to see some stuff from over there. Um, but it's not, it's not a thing where you can just walk in and see it.
1: And there, that, like I said, there's no other big collections, is there?
0: Well, John Zaffis has his haunted museum, but you're again, not something you can walk in and see.
1: Okay, you have to talk to him about it. Okay.
0: You not even that. I mean, very privileged few have actually seen what it is that John has in there. He talks about it in his lectures and he has mm-hmm. pictures of some of the things he has in his museum, but again, because of the the rarity and some of the evil objects that are under that that have to be maintained under his roof, people aren't allowed to go around them.
1: I was going to say, that's what his show was, and that's basically what he does, is he would go find out what's causing the haunting, if it's an object, and take that object back with him. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, again, I can't put over Zach, Zach's haunted Museum. It's It blows my mind every time I go. And it's different every time, too. That's the other thing, too. Yeah. It's different every time you go, it's different.
0: And he's adding to it. He's constantly yeah. adding to it, and it's something yeah. new, exciting, and different every every single time now here's here's the interesting thing that was on the and it was a it was a comment from someone on on Instagram regarding Post Malone and I don't want to I don't want to disparage Post Malone and I don't think that this is accurate but it's okay. this person's opinion an opinion only cool keef is the guy's name says she's going to end up cursed like post malone Insinuating that Post Malone had a downturn in his career after he went to the haunted museum, and Jonathan Foster, uh, nineteen thirty nine, says hopefully back to <laughs> Cool Keith. Now I have to ask you, Bruiser, do you really feel like Post Malone was cursed after he went to the haunted museum? I don't.
1: No, the reason that people say that is because what it was they they lifted the divic Box's casing up. Right. Zach lifted it up. Right. And I guess afterwards he got into either a car accident or a plane accident. It wasn't anything about his career, it was it was some unfortunate events happened to him. Mm-hmm. But I think those were coincidences. I don't think that was because of that, because God, he was there at least four or five years ago, six years ago. And yeah. he's got one of the most best selling tours going on right now. Yeah. He's collaborated with everybody. Um, He just did Joe Rogan's podcast talking about his weight loss because he's lost yep. weight, you know, because he's he limited his drinking and stuff like that. But, like, I don't think he's cursed at all. I think no. it was just either it could have been residual from what happened and, and something because something people got to realize that after you do the Zach tour, the, the Haunted Museum, do a blessing, Sage yourself, do a blessing, because there's a lot of energy in that museum. And I'm not just talking about the divot box. I'm talking about the whole museum. Right. If you buy something from the gift shop, which is what I learned from you, mm-hmm. sage it and and do a blessing over it because it's in the gift shop, which is attached to the museum. Mm-hmm. And I know from personal experience, stuff does attach to you and follows you around. So I'm thinking with the Post Malone thing, something probably attached to him because he, the famous thing is him in the divot box, but he went through the whole museum before they got there. The divot box is on the upstairs. Yeah. So he went through the whole thing. Yeah. And I believe he was in the basement too, which is off limits to the public, you know? So, okay. So he, I'm assuming something just attached to him, whatever it was, and it's worked out. because Here we are all these years later and he's still pretty successful. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it'll be, uh, they call it, I guess the VIP tour is called the RIP tour.
1: (laughs) Nice. So,
0: um, I will wish Adele the best, best of luck, and hopefully she'll have a good time over there. So hopefully,
1: yeah. well, you know she'll have a good time. Not yeah. only is it is it a great museum, but Zach's an entertainer. Yes, so exactly. he's he's gonna because he does them personally. Yes. I think with the celebrities, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. So you know he's gonna entertain. Yeah. And, and do what he can. And, and 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 I don't know. I like Adele. I think she's a very attractive woman. And yeah. I think she'd be fun. To, I I want to see her show because I like her music. And yeah, I think it'll be cool. That She's a paranormal fan.
0: Yes. I think it'll be a great time. I think they'll both have a great time. So there you go. Uh, Let's move on with the program. We'll get into uh, aliens and UFOs now. Uh, Scientists believe they've found a way to confirm life on other planets in an extraordinary alien breakthrough.
1: Oh, so we got like an alien pregnancy test, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it is. Uh, By the way, I've got some absolute nightmare fuel for you in just a few stories.
1: (sighs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is it about the NFL AI bots walking around?
0: No, no, no. I didn't hear
1: about this. There's a video out there. Oh, the, you're talking about in the stadium? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked you know that. Yeah. They we have, covered they, that. They have met, well, they show them bringing them in. They now are bringing them in when they let the fans in instead of before. So now the bots are actually walking amongst the fans. No, really? And they don't blink. They don't breathe. They just walk forward and they'll talk to you if you talk to them. And there's a video out there. You can see the handler, like, off in the distance, whoever's yeah. controlling them. But it's just terrifying because they don't blink. You know what I mean? And I, it's just,
0: I bet oh. you they don't, uh, they don't have these in Philly.
1: I don't know where they are. Oh. I, The one that I saw, I watched maybe 15 seconds of it, and it was just so creepy. I did, I'm like, yep, I'm done with this video.
0: Because <laughs> I'm guessing if they had them in Philly, they'd get beaten up real quick.
1: Yeah. And I don't think they have them in Vegas either. The Raiders fans will beat that up. That's right.
0: Uh, so, scientists believe they found a way to confirm life on other planets an extraordinary alien breakthrough. The new method employs artificial intelligence. That's right. You heard it here first. Uh, I, I don't have the theme up. I should have. Uh, I was going to lead off with nightmare fuel here. I'm sorry. I, I, I failed you all. That's.
1: There's a man suing the. Um, Charlotte Police Department because of the AI face recognition. Really? Yeah. Huh. It, it said that he was a wanted criminal because guess what color skin he has.
0: <laughs> Let me guess. He's African American. He's a, Exactly. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll give you one of these. Uh, scientists have developed a way of identifying life on other planets. A new study has shown they say the new method, which uses artificial intelligence Yep. can determine with 90% accuracy so it's 10% off. <laughs>
1: just 10% I yeah mean, you know
0: and, and if it's a if it's a black alien of course it's go-
1: <laughs> <laughs> it'll be wanted they'll it'll- want it to come in and serve some time that's right Um, I didn't do it. I I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) It was my UFO. I didn't steal it.
0: (laughs) Um, According to researchers, the simple and reliable test could revolutionize the search for life on other planets. Lead researcher, Professor Robert Hazen of the Carnegie Institution's Geophysical Laboratory in George Mason University in the U.S., said there's a significant advance in our abilities to recognize biochemical signs of life on other worlds it opens the way to using smart sensors on unmanned spaceships to search for signs of life we just don't know that we'll get it 10 percent of the time that's all (laughs) uh this routine analytical method has the potential to revolutionize the search for extraterrestrial life and deepen our understanding of both the origin and chemistry of the earliest life on earth He added that sensors could also be used in landers and rovers before sending any samples found back home. Uh, The scientists say that most immediately, the new test could reveal the history of mysterious ancient rocks on Earth and possibly that of samples already collected by the Mars Curiosity Rovers Sample Analysis at Mars or SAM instrument. Lead author Jim Cleaves of Earth and Planets Laboratory Carnegie Institution for Science in Washington, D.C. said, we'll need to tweak our method to match SAM's protocols, but it's possible that we already have data in hand to determine if there are molecules on Mars from an organic Martian biosphere.
1: Oh! There's a biosphere up there. (laughs) I
0: guess. Uh, The search for extraterrestrial life remains one of the most tantalizing endeavors in modern science, is the quote here. The method does not rely simply on identifying a specific molecule or group of compounds in a sample. Instead, the researchers uh, demonstrated Uh, demonstrated in findings published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences that AI can differentiate between living and non-living samples by detecting subtle differences within a sample's molecular patterns. The scientists used NASA flight-tested methods to analyze 134 varied carbon-rich samples uh, from living cells, age-degraded samples, geologically processed fossil fuels, carbon-rich meteorites, and laboratory-made organic compounds and mixtures. A total of 59 of those were biological origin or biotic, such as a grain of rice, a human hair, or crude oil, while 75 were of non-biological origin or abiotic, uh, such as lab-made compounds like amino acids or samples from carbon-rich meteorites. Using a suite of machine learning or AI methods, the researchers created a model that can predict the abiotic or biotic nature of the sample with around 90% accuracy. So it can still mix up a hair with a grain of rice with uh, amino acids.
1: Yeah, I thought amino acids were natural. Don't we produce amino acids?
0: Well, they're abiotic as opposed to biotic.
1: Gotcha, okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: surprisingly, in spite of significant decay and alteration, the new method detected signs of biology preserved in some instances over hundreds of millions of years dr hazen said these results mean that we may be able to find a life form from another planet another biosphere even if it's very different from the life we know here on earth and if we do find signs of life elsewhere we can tell if life on earth and other planets derived from a common or different origin he went on put another way the method should be able to detect alien biochemistries as well as earth life so it can tell the difference between signs of alien life and signs of earth life okay okay
1: uh, i still don't trust it
0: <laughs> i don't either uh that is a big deal because it's relatively easy to spot the molecular biomarkers of earth life he went on to say but we cannot assume that alien life will use dna amino acids etc etc our method looks for patterns in molecular distributions that arise from life's demand for functional molecules.
1: The problem I have is, is, so they say DNA and all that. How do we know aliens have DNA?
0: That's what they're saying. They don't, but they know that there are certain molecules that make up life. So they're looking for those molecules.
1: Yeah, yeah. but it, you know what I mean? They're, they're taking earthly factors to try and find an unearthly thing that always bugs well, me like they,
0: they are and they aren't so they're they're accounting for dna that's just one of the factors but there are right. certain basic molecules that make up life so they're looking for those basic molecules as well
1: and that transfers over to what they think alien life is created from two
0: it has to be there are certain it has to be there are certain molecules that are included in every form of life
1: okay So that's what this, okay. So that's what this AI, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I'm on the same page. Still don't trust it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need it. I don't need
0: it. Let's move on. The James Webb Telescope finds potential signature of life on Jupiter's icy moon Europa.
1: Ooh.
0: Europa. Europa. I kind of want to. I want a year old right now. I'm not gonna talk. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: the discovery of seemingly whole homegrown carbon dioxide, it says here, suggests that Europa's ice covered ocean could be habitable or habitable. Habitable. I like habitable. Uh, NASA's James Webb Telescope uh, Space Telescope has revealed homemade carbon dioxide on Jupiter's icy moon Europa, raising the possibility that the frigid water world could host life. I don't want it to be Kevin Costner's water world.
1: I don't either. It was I a good movie, but I don't want to live in water world.
0: I don't even want it to be Kevin Costner's ice hockey world. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. Uh, Europa, which is a little bit smaller than Earth's moon is covered with a crust of water ice, which is great if you put a little flavoring in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, the water ice. I love the water ice. Uh,
1: it's definitely, um, that moon is definitely on the rocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most yeah. definitely.
0: Um, it's covered with a crust of water ice enveloping a saltwater ocean, so it doesn't taste that good.
1: Uh, yeah, but, you don't want that kind of water. Wait, how can it make ice it has got salt?
0: Well, it's water ice. So it's, it's not quite uh, frozen.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: Yeah. The presence of liquid water makes Europa an intriguing object of exploration for scientists interested in extraterrestrial life. But until now, no one had shown that the ocean contained the proper molecules, particularly carbon. Here's those molecules again. Yep. Uh, which is a fundamental bo- building block to life on Earth. The uh, new detection by JWST, that's the James Webb Space Telescope, uh, is, a intriguing, er, is intriguing because the carbon dioxide does not seem to have been carried by a meteorite or asteroid. And it appears in a geologically young region of the moon called Terra Regio, uh, which suggests the gas may have formed within the moon itself. Previous observations from the Hubble Space Telescope show evidence for ocean-derived salt in Terra Regio. Cornell University planetary scientist Samantha Trumbo said in a statement, now we're seeing that carbon dioxide is heavily concentrated there as well. We think that implies that carbon probably has its ultimate origin in the internal ocean. Trumbo is the lead author of one of two papers on the New Europa Observations published in the journal Science, again, 4 o'clock a.m. on Thursdays on my doorstep. <laughs> uh, that one was published on September 21st. Thanks to JWST's power. power, uh, researchers needed only minutes of the observatory's time to discern new details about Europa. Heidi Hamel of the Association of Universities for Research in Astronomy said in the statement, the researchers found signs of both crystalline and amorphous carbon dioxide on Europa, amorphous refers to a disorganized molecular form as compared with the rigid patterns of crystals. They saw high concentrations of what astronomers call chaos regions where the surface crust has been disrupted and there is likely movement of materials between the crust and interior ocean. Because carbon dioxide doesn't stay stable for long on Europa's surface, the researchers believe that the carbon came up from the ocean relatively recently. Europa's surface is on average around 60 million years old, as estimated by the few craters pockmarking the ice. According to 2022 research, the chaos terrain is generally younger than average. You can tell because it's wearing oil of Olay.
1: <laughs> I like what's it's called the chaos terrain.
0: Yeah, the chaos guess, terrain.
1: When I come back to wrestling, that's where I'm going to debut from. The chaos
0: terrain. Coming from terrain. the chaos terrain yes. of Europa. That's that's <laughs> perfect. Are you going to wear uh, some sort of Ziggy uh, Ziggy Stardust uh, uh, makeup?
1: Oh, for sure. The lightning bolt. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you have to if you're from the chaos terrain of Europa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although that's that's going to be a weird looking gimmick. You got to wear a spacesuit too, though. No, 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 no. No.
1: No, I just need to make it look
0: like I'm from outer space. See, I'm not actually from outer space. You're just going to wear trunks and makeup?
1: (laughs) Yeah, why not? Yeah? It's the lazy man's alien. No, I'll get some, like, a cool, like, Dalton Castle-esque entrance thing with, like, a big cape. (laughs) Maybe I'll talk to promoters and, like, get me a fake spaceship so it looks like I'm landing right there at the building.
0: (laughs) That would be fun. Yeah. Like a little uh, Great Gazoo spaceship that you would see come if, down and see,
1: see if I can get a bunch of fans to dress up like aliens to walk up before I come out. <laughs> be perfect.
0: You need a great kazoo helmet though. You
1: know, like, <laughs> I, do, I do, I <laughs> do
0: alien uh, antenna on it.
1: Or if I can get the old, uh, my favorite Martian where the antennas just come up off the back of my head. Yes. Yeah. That would be perfect.
0: I think he got a good gimmick going for a company.
1: I do too. Yeah.
0: And people can say, I thought they operated on his hip, not his head. <laughs> There's no, there's no, yeah, I'm keeping the theme up. I'm not, I'm not bringing in the rim shot there.
1: You <laughs> no, can, you're not.
0: You no, know, insert your own rim shot there. <laughs> uh, we're going to the Alaska Triangle for this next story, where 20,000 people have disappeared, Bruiser, and a big, Bigfoot roams free.
1: <laughs> They're not saying he took them, it, are they?
0: I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> wherever there's a, a UFO, sometimes there's a Bigfoot. We've heard this. Theory in recent months. Yeah. Uh, If you enjoy searching for UFOs, hunting Bigfoot, or being around any other freaky paranormal phenomena, do 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 do. Book your flights to Alaska to visit the small area which has the highest recorded number of paranormal incidents in the world. Wow. Go in summertime
1: though. Yeah, you don't want to go go when the sun's out.
0: Yeah, yeah, sun's out, guns out there in Alaska. Uh, With NASA and the U.S. government recently beginning to show more interest in UFOs and non-human life, there's one area that we should take a very close look at. An odd triangle of land in Alaska has had more paranormal sightings than any other similar-sized piece of land in the world. That sparsely populated area has been a common spot for sightings of UFOs, ghosts, and Bigfoot-esque beasts and has over 20,000 people that have gone missing since 1970.
1: How is there no investigation? That's a lot of people. Yeah,
0: they got oil to drill for up there. Why (laughs) why are they so concerned about missing people? They'll just get more.
1: They're probably like, you know what, it's Alaska. There's a lot of wild terrain out here. That's like in Australia. Like someone goes missing in Australia. You're like, well, this is Australia. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get another one. Um, Yeah. But 20,000 people in what? 50 years? Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is.
0: I'd be a little more concerned than they are right now.
1: I would be, too.
0: Like, there's definitely something going on in this area. I would take a little bit of a Jeep ride just to find one of them.
1: I would, too. Yeah. I would I would yeah. be like, hey, we're going to have a four-person team. We're just <laughs> going to drive around team. for a week. <laughs> and then we're coming home. And then we'll, then we'll lay it to rest.
0: We're going to take the... Uh, we're going to take the Woody, the station wagon, out. We're going to, we're going to see if we can see anything. Only half an a- afternoon, though. We don't want to have to pack a lunch.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying a week-long, like, adventure.
0: That's a lot of time.
1: Well, what else are they doing up there? Drilling for oil? Drilling for oil. We got oil <laughs> to drill for, Bruiser. They can do a rotating thing. And it's not park rangers drilling for oil. no. There's got to be some lonely park ranger up there who's got nothing to do. He's
0: probably he's, running from Bigfoot. <laughs> you missed that part of the story. Probably going around
1: feeding Yogi and Boo Boo. <laughs> Stop feeding Yogi and Boo Boo. Go look for Squatchy.
0: He probably Squatchy's probably sitting in his lap. I mean,
1: <laughs> Squatchy's like I don't know where those twenty thousand people are. That's right. <laughs> probably we don't talk about those twenty thousand people.
0: <laughs> probably snacking on nineteen thousand six hundred and forty. <laughs> Uh, One UFO witness or eyewitness, Wes Smith, says he saw very strange triangular shapes which didn't move like any aircraft which he knew of, according to a Discovery Channel documentary. It's like everything you've ever been taught has gone out of the window because, or how is that possible, he went on to ask, of the flying object, which is deadly silent when he saw it. Michael Michael Dillon, who lives 11 miles from where Wes saw the UFO, caught his own on camera showing a light moving across the sky or across the light sky, rather, before shooting straight up at an unbelievable speed. It was very obvious to me that we were not witnessing a natural phenomenon. Phenomenon. Michael said (laughs) for something to change direction at that speed, a human body would be liquefied. Oh, yeah, that would hurt.
1: That would hurt a lot.
0: Yeah. On top of UFO sightings, the area would or er, has more unsolved missing persons cases in this specific region than anywhere on Earth. That according to the History Channel, since 1970, there have been 20,000 disappearances in the area between Anchorage and Juneau in the south to, oh, I don't know what the name of this town is. Is it Yudkievik? Yeah, close enough. Sure, we'll
1: go with that. Yeah, yeah.
0: On the northern coast, that according Washington. to... Yugavik? Sounds Russian. I think it's probably uh, Native American, I'm sure. Okay. Or it's Eskimo. <laughs> okay. Could be. Yugavik uh blamed on a variety of strange phenomena phenomena. Phenomena. There you go. Uh blamed on a variety of strange phenomena. From abductions, the Wendigo, a flesh-eating Bigfoot-esque creature, this is where the Wendigo comes in, Uh, and magnetic anomalies messing with hikers' compasses, the number of disappearances is well over two times the national average. Dang. Yeah. Uh, Rescue workers have reported phantom sounds, along with feeling lightheaded and disoriented when searching for missing persons. That's probably why they don't go out.
1: I was going to say, so they have tried in the past. I guess. They just heard some spooky noises and ran away. That's right. Or they felt Damn, Or
0: they felt felt lightheaded and they went in for lunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whether some unknown physical
1: <laughs> phenomenon
0: is responsible for the lights in Alaska's night sky uh, remains a mystery. UFO expert Debbie Zeigelmeyer. Uh, believes that Alaska is attractive to alien visitors because it's so sparsely populated; they can pretty much go where they want," said Debbie, who is the star team investigator for UFO research organization MUFON. She says that's the attraction of Alaska. Forty-one-year-old Rance Lent, which is a great name for an investigator, yeah, it is. Uh, took an interest in UFO research after an eerie alien experience, which he was st- when he was still a schoolboy. Uh, But a later career in the U.S. military gave him a fresh insight into the phenomenon. There you go. Uh, There are definitely more sightings when there's heavy, heavy testing, he said. Folks on the tests see different lights and different things off on the horizon. What kind of testing is
1: he talking about? I was going to say. Maybe military? Military. Up in Alaska, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay. Uh, There are claims someone or something is attracted to the cutting-edge military technology on show. There you go. Uh, Some believe that U.S. military officials might know all about the UFO presence on their test ranges. Hypnotherapist and paranormal researcher Johnny Enoch, that's a good paranormal name, too, uh, said there's clearly something strange going on in the Alaska Triangle. He speculates that senior figures within the U.S. military are secretly in contact with whoever and whatever is piloting the mystery craft. While aliens have been blamed for the disproportionate number of missing persons reports in the Alaska Triangle, some paranormal experts think there could be quite a different explanation. Cryptozoologist Cliff Barackman, who we've had on the show, says anything of any size could be hiding in the Alaskan wilderness with so much fantastic habitat and so few people to compete with, Sasquatches basically have the run of Alaska. Um, and finally, attacks by this huge prehistoric man-beast have been offered as another reason why so many people go missing in Alaska. Of course, the inhospitable terrain and unpredictable weather could be the simplest explanation. With so many of those people missing, never to be seen again. It's undeniable that there's a but it was, mystery to be solved. There'd still
1: be a body or something left behind. Like 20,000 people, there's got to be at least one body left behind.
0: Ah, but I counter that with if Bigfoot is not an ape... But a mystical creature, why wouldn't they take that body back through a portal?
1: That's true. No, I'll give you that. I'm just saying, like, they're trying to say, oh, it could be weather. It could be this. Like, trying to give that explanation. If it is that, there's going to be bodies left behind. We haven't found one body yet.
0: And if you're a Wendigo and you're eating a human, why wouldn't you use all, eat all the parts?
1: Exactly. Or use the bones to make something.
0: Yeah, like a wind chime.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Wendigos do.
0: I was so almost done with that story. Um, I'm sorry. So they say it's undenom- undeniable that there's a mystery to be solved in the Alaska Triangle like the one bruiser just came up with, like where are all the bones? I say they pick their teeth with them. <laughs> I don't know. You be the judge.
1: They play drums on the skulls, just like in uh, Return of the Jedi.
0: <laughs> so they're Ewoks?
1: <laughs> hey, an Ewok could be a Sasquatch.
0: Yes, they're little tiny Sasquatches. <laughs> that's what Lucas had in mind.
1: How come none of the Bigfoot researchers have tried going, getting, going out in the woods and going, yum nub Yum nub what <laughs> Because they'd be laughed out of the field, that's why. <laughs> you think Bigfoot would just come, come out laughing? But, uh, you're a nerd.
0: Yum nub you the yum nub Yeah, that's what would happen. They would get laughed out of the field. <laughs> You think so, huh? Yep. <laughs> yeah, why not bring Jar Jar Binks out there, too, and see if they are
1: Because he's, he's, not, he's not a Sasquatch. No, he but he's a, a Sasquatch. He's a cryptid. No, he's an alien. Is he? Yeah. Do we
0: really know for sure? I classify him as an alien. Or is he a cryptid? Alien. Do you know for sure?
1: There's no cryptids around that look like Jar Jar Banks. However, there are cryptids that look like Ewoks.
0: What if he's the chupacabra of his world?
1: <laughs> he's too stupid to be a goat sucker.
0: Maybe he's sucking off goats in his spare time and you don't know it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he could be. He could be.
0: He has that kind of personality. <laughs> Speaking of, my, uh, my, uh, my godson Ben... His uh his baseball team his name is the Chupacabras I think that's the coolest thing in the world
1: I do too that's awesome
0: yeah he plays he plays down in Texas but
1: still that's awesome yeah that's a, isn't that the
0: coolest and on his jersey there's a little Chupacabra
1: really yeah see that is that is as cool that isn't that, that cool will sell that will sell merch
0: it, it would yeah. have have a little Chupacabra jersey yeah yeah I thought it was the coolest thing ever.
1: I think it is. Yeah. Did well, he send you a jersey?
0: No, I want one. I don't think they make a, a Chupacabra's jersey my size. I mean, <laughs> he's he's in grade school. I don't think they have a, a, a fat-ass size jersey for the Chupacabra's.
1: Well, they might. You never know.
0: Maybe they'll make one for me. I don't
1: know. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be.
0: Uh, one more story here before we go to break, and it has to do with King Charles and the fact that he piloted a UFO Yes, you heard me right. I'm not high on the cannabis. Um, King Charles piloted a UFO with powerful blue plasma, according to his secret Canadian project. Okay. Did I just say a bunch of words that didn't make sense to everybody just now? Probably.
1: (laughs) King Charles, blue plasma, flying a ship. Gotcha. Yep. Let
0: me clarify. A former colleague of King Charles has alleged the monarch flew a UFO in 1975, but the whole thing seems a little far-fetched.
1: You think? (laughs) His ears couldn't fit on a a UFO.
0: Oh, he probably hung them out the window. (laughs)
1: Like a dog.
0: (laughs) Yes, like Dumbo. That sounds like that sounds like a Rudolph the Red Nosed reindeer store or song, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does.
0: <laughs> King Charles hung him out the window like Dumbo. <laughs> <sighs> Dan Costello claims he was a diver on the alleged Project Scorpio and worked alongside the then Prince of Wales at Sandy Point in Newfoundland. It gets better. The diver alleges that King Charles flew a bizarre helicopter-type vessel that was bringing, I'm sorry, that was being tested as part of a secret project. It was supposedly round in shape like a UFO, had a propeller. We call that a helicopter. It
1: had, it had a propeller, huh? Yeah. Has Charles never seen a helicopter?
0: <laughs> I don't think this Dan Costello has ever seen a helicopter
1: <laughs> or a boat.
0: <laughs> yeah, round in shape had a propeller. We call it a helicopter. <laughs> uh and was created by American aircraft manufacturer Sikorsky. It's a goddamn helicopter.
1: <laughs> it's not a UFO if it's created by an American company.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I am reading a story about I, King Charles flying a helicopter, aren't I? I'm,
1: I don't think King Charles knows what we, what we mean by when we say illegal alien,
0: (laughs) let me finish the story and be done with it. In 1975, the Royal allegedly piloted one of the prototypes, which was apparently powered by magnetic force. (laughs) No, it was the goddamn propeller. It's called a helicopter.
1: Yes, it's a helicopter.
0: The claims don't have anything to do with aliens, but the vehicle would still be considered an unidentified flying object, Costello said. Oh, Jesus Christ. This guy's got me more pissed off than Kirk Cousins in a San Diego Chargers game or Los Angeles Chargers or whatever you want to call them. Um Things get a little far-fetched when Costello claims that the Sikorsky prototype was an electrical risk itself, and the target of attacks which cost the lives of original Sikorsky engineers. What did they cut them? Cut their heads off? <laughs> Look, we made a helicopter that works on magnetic force.
1: No, no, it was English. It was Americans that made it. Remember? I know, but they probably were. British spies. This is King Charles coming and going, wow, look at this UFO. These illegal aliens made this UFO. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like choppers in England, but man, this is a UFO.
0: This is a good helicopter you made me. (laughs) He told the Daily Star many turbines were subjected to an emergency shutdown while submerged, requiring special forces divers to enter the voltage risk area to prevent a mass death event.
1: Okay. What is he
0: talking about?
1: (laughs) It was going to go out of control and cut more people's heads off.
0: Let me make up some shit right now. Are you ready, Bruiser? Yeah, I'm ready. I jumped into the lake to prevent a mass death event for many fish (laughs) when I farted hard in the pond. (laughs) Does that make any sense to you? No.
1: No. I've given up on listening to King Charles and making sense of what he's saying. Well, let me continue for a minute.
0: <laughs> it's just getting good. Some Royal Navy Reserve and Sikorsky Engineering crews lost their lives in these flooding. These flooding, as a result what? of terrorist and vandal attacks. It continued. Oh, so there's terrorists involved so, now.
1: Yeah. So they're like, oh, we can't have this out technology out.
0: How many mushrooms did this guy swallow before he told the story? A ton terror and vandal attacks it says here with a with a question mark certainly seems like a movie plot however he added king charles and his 845 squadron air crew extracted the prototype sikorsky after the original engineers had been drowned (laughs) (laughs) what this is a fun bedtime story isn't it who they drowned i guess He claimed the uncontrolled event would have caused mass death of tens of thousands across three countries of people. How? (laughs) And said by all drowned, they're going to drown in a mass ejection of elect electrical force, I guess. I don't know. Um, And said by removing the prototype and shutting down turbines, Royal Navy saved the lives of tens of thousands. Here's my slow clap.
1: (laughs) Congratulations.
0: Way to go, Royal Navy.
1: <laughs> Congratulations, Royal Navy. Yeah. You, you, you've you saved tens of thousands.
0: Um, making things sound like even more of a sci-fi film, the diver also claimed that an uncontrolled burst of energy caused a blue flame to appear from the bottom of the craft. Either that or maybe you just...
1: Or maybe match. somebody farted.
0: I was going to say put a match right near your fart. Yeah. Blue flame. It comes out blue. Yeah. This blue plasma-like pulse was powerful enough to turn rock into glass. <laughs> it is when it comes out of my ass too.
1: Uh, I farted that. I farted that hard. I, I made a charcoal into diamonds.
0: It was the pulse was powerful enough to turn rock into glass whenever it paused, and easily transformed tree limbs along its path into cinders without even an open flame, Bruiser. Without oh. even an open flame.
1: This is the story is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> this guy is so crazy. I love it.
1: Oh, King Charles!
0: I want him to come decorate my new imaginary club I'm opening in the backyard for me and the chipmunks. <laughs> I'm going to call it Club Nuts.
1: Well, and you know what? Club when it comes nuts. to help you with your club, with yeah. Club Nuts, he's going to yeah. talk about how the Royal Army saved tens of thousands of people during the construction of Club Nuts.
0: I love it. I'm going to pour him a pink squirrel and he can tell me all about it. <laughs> just me and the chipmunks are going to sit there and just in awe and he can tell us this crazy story about King Charles and the turbines. <laughs> And then did you fought the blue flame? Did you did you tell us all about it? <laughs> You're such a hero, Costello. Uh, the heat transformed the trees along its semaphore line path instantly into wood ash, he went on to say, it carried along the path somewhat under control of a secondary large nosed rotary craft which looked like a giant what? West Hall whirligig.
1: So a plane. Plane towed a helicopter. That's yeah. what I'm getting out of this.
0: I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You got to come up to Club Nuts when we open it and have this guy by.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'll pour Maybe you- he'll draw us pictures.
0: Hey, the first pink squirrel is on me, my okay, friend. Perfect. I will pour perfect. you a pink squirrel. You can have a seat right next to Wicket. Okay. And I'll uh, we'll have a nice little tiki bar out there.
1: <laughs> perfect.
0: Yeah, we'll have this uh, Dan Costello. He'll, he'll be able to decorate the place.
1: Yeah, it'll look like whirly birds and yeah, whir- what's the nuts and
0: whirly gigs and falling, yeah, falling uh, magnetic force uh, helicopters is what I'm going to yep. have them decorated as.
1: You can show them your, your blue plasma flame. And you know who the bartender is going to be? <laughs> King Charles.
0: Yep. King Charles. <laughs> He'll be like, Would anybody like another pink squirrel? <laughs> pink squirrels for everybody. That's right, King. Set them up. Me and my friends. Be sure to put extra nuts in the pink squirrel for my chipmunk friends.
1: That's right. When We, we come, have to tell him that we're aliens. So he believes it's a UFO.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'll have to put on my alien costume.
1: <laughs> I'll wear, I'll wear my, my ring entrance gear. There we go. My new character. Yes, your
0: new character. Yes. Come in character, would you?
1: We both need those helmets now.
0: Yeah, the great, great gazoo ki- uh, helmets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll find them <laughs> before he comes over. Coming up after the break, folks. Boy, have I got nightmare fuel for you. Oh, God. I'm going to combine aliens, AI, and probes. Oh. Bend over, kids. It's about <laughs> to get scary. Coming in dry. <laughs> That's right. That's after the break. Also, scientists created AI that they believe could detect alien life. They just don't know how to work it. That's coming up after the break. Uh, We've got ghosty stories, lots and lots of ghosty stories, including, uh, well, we'll put it this way, ghosts, ghosts, and more ghosts. And we're going to talk about a 3,000-year-old cemetery that's got nothing but child mummies in it.
1: That's terrifying.
0: Yeah, isn't it, though? Uh, we've got all that much, much more. Plus, we're going to end the day with dolphin sex. That's right. A dolphin sex scandal in the UK that uh, is just too scandalous to believe. It's all coming up next. You're listening to the best in paranormal podcasting. It's a Supernatural News Wednesday here with the crew. Right here on Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio on a Supernatural News Wednesday with the cruiser and the bruiser. We got Van Hill, we got Boston, we got the Rolling Stones, we got the... It's a non-stop rock block on a Wednesday, taking you home in that dirty, dirty heat. I
1: gotta admit, during the break, I had like three or four blue flames come out and oh, did turn, turn wood into ash and... <laughs> and I made I made new windows for the house. and turned, turned rock into glass. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
0: If you could bring some of that glass down, I need some uh, windows for the bar. Uh, okay, okay. In Club uh, Nuts,
1: just, uh, yeah. Just feed me some refried beans. I'll get you some blue flame.
0: Great. Uh, I'm going to need you to weld together uh, some supports for the bar for Club Nuts.
1: No, no. With the blue flame, I also had um. Well, let's just call it a a, a brown. Projectile.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We we need to leave those pushed out a little too hard on yeah. that one. That's that's not it's not soldering.
1: Oh. No, that no. that pushed a little too hard on that one. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah. That's why that's why I only got three. Yeah, you're gonna have to hold back on that one, buddy. Yeah,
0: that happens though, when we all get to be uh, older welders. I'm just saying.
1: That's okay. I, I I boxed it up, you know, like like a Kohler guard, and sent it to King Charles.
0: Oh, good. Well, he'll be able yeah. to give you your results in two to three weeks. So, Yeah. What the hell is this?
1: (laughs) This is shit.
0: Mom. shit in the box. (laughs) Do I I put this on my biscuit? Who's shite in the box? (laughs) (laughs) He's shit in the box. Anywho, people, it's that time once again. Yeah, we just weren't going to leave you with one bit of nightmare fuel today.
1: No, we got to terrify you.
0: Three words Alien, AI, Probes.
1: You had me at probe.
0: <laughs> I got to thank Uncle Bob for this story.
1: <clears throat> I'm glad Uncle Bob thinks of us when
0: probing comes up. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on now, it wasn't that bad of a childhood. Um, now he sends this along to me and goes, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And I said, "I think I'm going to hide now." <laughs> stealth extraterrestrial AI probes, reconsidering the UAP mystery. He sends me this article from The Debrief, which I'm not gonna, I'm gonna hit the highlights on because just the thought of this is absolutely frightening. Terrifying. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. the way we use AI, scary. The way, potentially, aliens could use AI, downright frightening.
1: Oh, yeah, especially when it involves probes. Right. Only only maybe 10% of the population likes to be probed.
0: Well, I, I think we're thinking of probes in the wrong way here. I'm not talking about, you know, up the wazoo. I'm, talk-
1: I'm, I'm talking about any kind. I don't want to be probed in any way.
0: Right, right.
1: I don't like yeah. anything shoved in any of my orifices. Oh, there's that, too.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, the Arrow meetings have been going on over the last few months. They've been talking about different ways that we've been... Seeing these different UAPs, but something was brought up recently that's a little bit disturbing. They're saying that approximately two to five percent of UAP sightings appear to be or represent genuine anomalies. Geipan, G E I P A N, the unit of the French space agency, C. N.E.S. tasked with studying UAPs reports similar percentages for a subset of its investigations, as is consistently shown by the reinvestment into UAP research on the part of our national security apparatus. The nature of anomalous UAP sightings appears to warrant further investigation. However, the sentiment is not a new one. Writing for the Rand Corporation in 1968, George Kutcher studied the UFO phenomena and its implications in a report called UFOs What to Do, which analyzed the phenomenon and called for a centralized reporting program to understand which of the nine stated explanations from novel physical phenomena to extraterrestrial probes was likeliest to be correct. The possibility that some UAP could represent extraterrestrial craft was as tantalizing for Kutcher in 1968 as it is today. An opinion piece recently published by The Hill discussed present-day reports of anomalous spherical objects that appear to share similar attributes with UAP accounts that date as far back as the 1940s. The author Merrick von Remenkampf, then makes a startling assertion. According to Kirkpatrick, this highly anomalous range of attributes amounts to a UAP profile or a target package that Arrow is out hunting for. Get prepared to be spooked.
1: I'm trying spooked.
0: <laughs> Given Kirkpatrick's mention of a UAP target package and the existence of anomalous attributes in at least a small percentage of modern sightings, three follow-up questions come to mind. First, are there any grounded theories or evidence to suggest that UAPs might be extraterrestrial in origin? Second, if we entertain the extraterrestrial hypothesis, why would UAP reports convey only anomalies in sensor and other data rather than appearing as unambiguous structured craft? And third, if we assume for a moment that these anomalies are stealth probes of some kind, what might their observed behavior suggest about their objectives? So here we explore the possibility that some portions of truly anomalous UAP sightings could be produced by stealth-driven extraterrestrial probes imbued with artificial intelligence and a complex camouflage system. Given the limitations of your current detection methods, the nature of these UAP sightings suggests that there may indeed be more going on than what can currently be perceived. How does that sound for nightmare fuel?
1: Oh, that's terrifying. (laughs)
0: Right. Uh, Regarding the first question, it is plausible that an an extraterrestrial civilization would conclude out of necessity, as humans did in our early efforts to explore the cosmos, that intelligent machines or or not manned craft offer the most robust way to explore the galactic neighborhood. We're doing that right now,
1: right? Yeah, we sent the rover to Mars and everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Machines don't require creaturely necessities, nor do they tire out, grow old, or easily break down under the harshness of interstellar space. Initial machines might start as craft akin to Voyager 1 or semi-autonomous rovers like Perseverance on Mars. As technology advances, crafts such as these would likely be updated to include sophisticated AI capabilities and may be leveraged into a spacecraft swarm that could spread throughout a solar system, while nanoscale craft may depart for nearby exoplanets. Eventually, newer models might appropriate or I'm sorry, might approximate self-replicating von Neumann probes. These might be, in the words of Professor Alan Tuff, small, smart interstellar probes which would have advanced AI and the necessary suite of capabilities to arrive at an exoplanet. Such advanced models, like Tufts probes, have been predicted to arrive before early generation models. Writing for the Astronomical Journal in 2019, James Benford explored the idea of lurkers, or extraterrestrial probes designed to observe Earth while not being seen. He suggested that lurkers could be hiding in our solar system, possibly positioned in stable location, such as a uh, Lagrange point. However, if these probes are sufficiently advanced and have the requisite technologies and interest, we believe they might be chosen to explore an exoplanet instead of keeping a distance. One compelling reason a probe might come to Earth is to learn about our species in advance of making contact an AI probe might need to gather a lot of information to understand how to communicate, much like an anthropologist would working in the field. But unlike an anthropologist dealing with another human community, this AI probe might face a seemingly impossible barrier, how to bridge the communication divide between humanity and an extraterrestrial species. Published in 1998, Dr. Douglas Vokok considers the incommensurability problem of communication Between humanity and extraterrestrial species. In this, while physics and mathematics are assumed to be universal, terrestrial and extraterrestrial civilizations would have different models of reality and so would need to find a different way to reach each other. Dr. Vakok uh, argues for the use of icons over symbols, while contemporary scholars such as Professor Avi Loeb consider the possibility that AI systems from both species could form a communication bridge in the form of an AI emissary. One might imagine an emissary from late Bronze Age Egypt who would have spent more time either in transit or visiting distant civilizations such as Cyprus, Canaan, or uh, Mycenaean Greece. Similarly, an AI emissary would invest considerable effort into learning to navigate star systems, and after that, learning while on planets about the alien civilization it found itself in contact with. So, we're talking about a probe sneakily moving along our civilization and learning, right?
1: Yeah. Kind of like Empire Strikes Back when they send the probes to all the different planets. Right. Right. But more conspicuous.
0: Right. So from this, we can try to answer our second question. If UAPs were truly of extraterrestrial origin, why would they show up as anomalies? Given the barriers of alienness, an AI probe would likely need significant time to observe us to train itself on our data, perhaps as it waited for us to create our own emissary. During this time, stealth capabilities would essentially promote its survival. Intentional obfuscation uh, would help explain the anomalous nature of UAP sightings. We believe, given the large geographical range of sightings, coupled with the lack of detections of obvious craft, that if some UAPs are truly of extraterrestrial origin, there might be several stealth extraterrestrial AI probes uh, operating on our planet. The covert nature of seeps, they call them, uh, might also answer Enrico Fermi's famous question, where is everybody? The Fermi Paradox, which we talked about here in the last few months, highlights the contrast between the vast number of hypothetically habitable planets and our current lack of evidence for extraterrestrial civilizations. Various resolutions to the Fermi Paradox have been proposed, from barriers to technological progress, self-destruction or avoidance, to a human zoo theory. We think that the presence of seeps would also satisfy this paradox, although this remains speculative and would need significant research and funding to assess. Following the seep theory, a small portion of UAP accounts appear to suggest a complex form of camouflage and intelligent action. It could be plausible, given public observational accounts, that the camouflage is a sophisticated mix of advanced technology, metamaterials, operational patterns, and behavioral mimicry. Such camouflage is not outside the realm of possibility given natural analogs, current intelligence operations, tradecraft, and advances in modern-day cloaking material. The carefully crafted camouflage of these seeps could mask their true nature and give us reasons to doubt. Their stealth might encourage the average witness to dismiss but not forget what they've seen. While there might be various reasons for the public sentiments and actions surrounding UAP sightings including scientific skepticism, government information management, or personal beliefs. The proposed camouflage theory provides another lens through which to consider these responses. Now, hypothetically speaking, as to extraterrestrials, how might they operate and what might we see? Well, our advancement in drone er, technology provides a basis for speculation. Extraterrestrial technology, if it exists, might operate on an entirely different principle. However, if the principles are somehow related, seeps might be specifically designed to stop attempts at detailed observation. For example, materials that diffuse light or absorb radio frequencies would make seeps harder to spot or track. Beyond materials, seeps might have specific behavior patterns meant to avoid detection by specific humans. While some seeps might operate at lower altitudes for specific tasks, they could also maintain a much higher operational altitude when not actively engaged in surveillance to stay out of the average person's sight range, which would explain why you don't see them.
1: Yeah, that's terrifying, the, the, the camouflage. You know what I mean? They can be literally anything.
0: Right. While the proposal might seem speculative, improvements in current technology by governments and private corporations suggest that similar advancements could exist elsewhere. Modern drones, enhanced with AI and surveillance technology, have the capability to identify and differentiate objects in real time using high-resolution cameras and infrared uh, sensors. These drones can recognize patterns of human activity, allowing them to use GPS data to navigate away from particular areas." I'm not going to go into the entire article, but you're getting the gist of why they believe these different probes could exist from different worlds and why they could be so much better cloaked than what we can do with our own advances in
1: AI. Yeah. And that's a terrifying thought that these things can be here right now, but we don't know it because we can't see them. That's right.
0: So let that ruminate in your head when you try to sleep.
1: (laughs) Or when you think you saw something out of the corner of your eye, what really was it? That's right. You
0: know? Something to something to think about.
1: I have another AI
0: story. AI has decided they know how they're gonna take us out. And they're gonna take us out starting with the old people.
1: <laughs> why would you get rid of the old people first? Go after the young viral people. You know why viral.
0: so we'll we'll mourn grandma and grandpa And while we're busy mourning grandma and grandpa, they'll take us out from the young people.
1: (laughs) Gotcha, okay.
0: See how that works? Saw how that works now. Yeah, when you're busy going, but I love grandma and grandpa so much, then they'll snap your neck. (laughs) So I have a story in front of me that says these adorable Japanese robots are being used for elder care. (laughs) That's not how it works, folks.
1: No, because they're gonna see that the oh, this this elderly person's slipping. Their mind is going. They must die.
0: They must die. That's right. A new Canadian study is seeking to evaluate the usefulness of AI-powered robots in supporting senior citizens. They're not going to support them. They're going to kill them. <laughs> Dr. Lillian Hung is an oh look, those robots hung Grandpa in the closet. Uh, A Canada research chair in senior care and assistant professor of nursing at the University of British Columbia is trying out two Japanese robots called Kiwi and Mango, (laughs) as in two things old people can't chew.
1: Or basically like what they're going to turn the old people into.
0: Yes, Kiwi and Mango, Uh, which may have the ability to provide companionship for senior citizens in Canada, reducing their loneliness. The two social robots may resemble miniature versions of the Teletubbies, but they're so much more than a cute toy. They actually possess complex artificial intelligence systems that allow them to adapt to their environment, communicate and recognize faces and voices, and even provide hugs to mimic the warmth of a genuine pet. Do you see where this is going, Bruiser? (laughs) Oh, I can see
1: where it's going. Obviously, they can't. Come give Mango a hug. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so comfortable. You're so comfy. Oh, you're squishy. Oh, 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 and now you're goo. You
0: are so soft. Your neck is easy to break. Come here, Grandma! <laughs> Our research is the quote at the Innovation in Dementia and Aging, or the IDEA Lab, focuses on examining how technology and the environment impact dementia care in Japan, where isolation and loneliness is a huge problem for older adults. Lavat robots, as their manufacturer calls them, have gained popularity as companions, said Hong, who then giggled evilly in the corner. I wanted to study how these robots interact with older adults and, individually, and individuals with cognitive challenges in a Canadian context because the Canadians would be the easiest to get rid of because they're so polite, said Hum. <laughs>
1: We're going to start with the Canadians because no one's going to miss them. <laughs> that's not what she said. Although I can imagine it's that's like what she said. The old be like, um, little tight mango little, mango, little tight mango, mango. 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 Let go,
0: eh, Mango.
1: (laughs) Eh,
0: Mango, let go. Mango, that's too tight on Grandpa Mango. (laughs) Mango, let go, eh. The need for creative solutions to address the demands and concerns of seniors, particularly in healthcare and caregiving, is growing as the world's population ages. The loneliness and social isolation that many older people suffer from can be detrimental to their mental and emotional health. In past studies, seniors who use companion robots report feeling less lonely since they're able to converse with them and even get affection from them. That's not affection.
1: That's not affection. That's research.
0: Hey, Mango, bend over and grab my keys, you know.
1: (laughs) Ooh, Mango. Mango. What are you you doing there, Mango? Oh, Mango. Oh, a foot rub? Thank you, Mango. A foot, a foot. Mango, Mango, that's my leg. (laughs) You're removing my leg, Mango. Mango, let go.
0: Those are not berries, mango, let go. Uh, the robots may also help with cognitive deterioration, which is common in the elderly. Seniors who want to keep their minds sharp can play memory games, solve puzzles, and do other cognitive activities with social robots. What's what cognitive
1: what? Hey Mango, want to play tic tac toe? <laughs> not with my arms (laughs) old man let's play what let's remember what your family looks like (laughs) hey old person you want to play 20 questions let's ask 20 questions to see how you're cognitively doing (laughs) oh you got one wrong time to murder you (laughs) time to make room for new people
0: time to die uh finally though or through methods like guided relaxation this sounds bad oh geez. meditation go to the light um and mindfulness exercises social robots can help order people uh, older people not order people older people <laughs> we'll cope. order people yes uh older people cope with their emotions and reduce stress hung reported that so far visits with the robots to care homes and other similar facilities in the Vancouver area have been quite encouraging. People have been welcoming and friendly towards the machines, accepting them without question. That's a scary statement.
1: That Probably because they don't know what they
0: are. That's right.
1: <laughs> this doesn't look like the Lost in Space robot.
0: <laughs> I want to play with the little guy.
1: Hey, this isn't C-3PO. You lied to me. <laughs> Hung- you know what else works in this, this scenario that he's bringing up? What's that? Service puppies, Mm -hmm. just bring in puppies, play with the the residents. Guess what? Puppy ain't gonna kill the old person.
0: Well, now, in all fairness, intern Yoko's grandmother was in a nursing home where they had a cat that predicted the residents that were gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) It's true.
1: The cat would it was morbid. The, go away, cat, go away. <laughs> the cat did you not? The cat How would, many times that cat get kicked across the room. Not my dog.
0: <laughs> I used to call the cat the grim Reaper because the <laughs> the cat would would come up to people who were that were, you, know, I, I don't want to say on their last legs, but they were you know they were they were getting towards the end, and the cat would sidle up to them and stay with them. And, and it,
1: they go flying I mean, across the room. And be
0: no, like, not my time. No, no, no. But you know, I mean, like, you know, they're in their last moments, and I mean, it was charming. You know, I mean, the cat was there with them at their last moments, and to but I their mean, soul. Yeah, I know to breathe in their soul and trap it. Um, Cats all like,
1: oh, oh, your soul is
0: mine. Oh, oh. Every cat lover right now is just throwing their device across the room, but. Um, no, it's, but I mean,
1: but it was creepy as fuck. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I how mean. Could but you, how could you, how could you, lo- I don't want to say love that cat, but how could you like show affection to that cat? Because if that cat starts showing affection, you're like, right. is, fluffy? Well, is it me?
0: No, is it me fluffy? No, because the, the cat would go, would go through the commentary or through the, the lunchroom and would, you know, would say hi to all the residents. But man, when it comes to spend time with you in your room, you were fucked, boy. I mean...
1: Fluffy, I'm just taking a nap, I swear to yeah, God. Yeah,
0: I'm just napping. Get the fuck out of here. Um, but no, I mean, it. I mean, when that cat came around and stayed around, like it would stay under your bed or it would stay with you for days, Yeah, you were on your way out. <laughs> and sure enough, when intern Yoko's grandma, when it was her time, the cat was with her for a few days and didn't leave her side.
1: See, and this isn't, though is Mango is with you on your day of You're passing. Oh, yeah. Because Mango's killing you. (laughs) Mango creates
0: your day of leaving. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, So, yeah, it says that uh, Hung explained that the social robots are intriguing because they're made to interact with people, which could help ease seniors loneliness. Global statistics show that loneliness levels in Canada are rising and something needs to be done. Hung also said that the next steps her team will be working on. Uh, with the senior residents is to get robots to their residents hurry um we need
1: to off them and make more space uh we hear that canada's so nice why is loneliness such a big thing like go say hi to your neighbor guys yeah go go visit go be a
0: candy striper or or something in these uh, nursing homes
1: go volunteer and, and talk to you know butch before he passes away that's right
0: uh, they will proceed to record the interactions between the seniors and their machines and conduct interviews with them, their care staff, and their families. Well, see, I can see that being useful. Yeah. You know, recording interviews with the different seniors and talking to them about their lives, you know, that, that could be helpful. Um, our goal is to publish and share the results to inform future directions in elder care at different regions it says, as different regions start to integrate companion robots in day-to-day life, we should be thinking about the implications of entrusting emotional and social support to machines. I kind of like the dog idea better. I do too. Uh, Does this define our humanity, Are robots, and automatons? The answer to elder care crisis? Probably not. I would think no. a, a warm human being who would actually show interest is probably better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not a robot. That's just my two cents.
1: I wonder if the robot corrects them. Like there's, there's the old guy going, Oh, in 1943, when I raided Normandy and the robots like, no, nope, 1945, you weren't there.
0: <laughs> 44, 44. Um, <laughs> or it, or it just says, you've told me that story before. This is the fourth time in a row.
1: <laughs> Shut the F up. You keep talking the same story over and over and over. <laughs> Are you
0: aware you have dementia, sir? <laughs> Do you think we could cut down on repetition, 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 repetition?
1: Yeah, let's I'd... do some cognitive work. Block my punch. Oh, <laughs> oh
0: no! <laughs> we are going to work on motor skills. Block this. <laughs> Whoa! You evil. Why is son there a cat a bitch. in my room now? <laughs> <laughs> Why is there? Yeah, what's that cat doing in here? Oh, I see my, I see my dead wife. What are you doing here? Um, yeah, it's, that's morbid. (laughs) Hello,
1: Julius. I present to you a cat. (laughs) (laughs) No. We call him Reaper, Reaper, Reaper. Time to make friends. Tell me that story one more time and Reaper's (laughs) coming in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Mm. Oh, boy. We should probably move on. I'm sorry. We should. Yeah. We're giving people anxiety attacks right now about their days in the home. <laughs> it's going to suck when we get to be nursing home age and running oh, from... Oh, my
1: first thing is no robots.
0: Running from robots and... and
1: yeah, no, no and robots.
0: Reaper cats and...
1: <laughs> <laughs> no robots and I'm not going where intern Yoko's grandmother right? was. Right?
0: I'm barely going to be able to gum my pudding. <laughs> It's going to be horrible. Uh, There have been four official sightings of Loch Ness since August, or reported in August, rather. Four sightings. Yeah.
1: They've been been upping the research out there. Like, they've been doing a lot to get more research and eyes on the Loch.
0: Evidently, uh, Bruiser isn't the only one who likes to tan. Oh, I love to tan. Yeah. Uh, Nessie likes to tan as well. Oh, really? Got out of the water four times. Wow. In August, yeah. So... Uh, Four reports published in August by the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register bring the total number of reported Nessie sightings as the monster is affectionately known up to seven so far
1: in 2023. That's a lot. Yeah. This new new thing they're doing out there is going pretty good. Yes, it is.
0: Uh, First sighting came around 1 p.m. on August 17th from Steve Valentine, who was visiting Scotland's Loch Ness while on holiday from Ermston in Manchester with his family. They were returning from a tour of the lock when Valentine said he spotted something from the deep scan boat that they were aboard. He said, I just saw a black shape in the water. It was when we were returning to the dock from an Urquhart Castle or from a dock near to Urquhart Castle. I lost sight of it when the boat turned, but managed to get a quick photo from a distance. Uh, Oh, here's the photo that Valentine took. Look, it's nice and sharp. (laughs)
1: It looks like a witch's hat floating on the water. It does,
0: doesn't it? Like I said, it's a nice, sharp photo. Uh,
1: How come people don't have new cameras?
0: I don't know. You know, if you just update your iPhone every year, it (laughs) it has autofocus. No kidding. Uh, The next two sightings took place on consecutive days during the investigation of the lock uh, by independent volunteer research organization, Loch Ness Exploration. You would think they'd get a clear photo, right? (laughs) You'd think. Yeah. Uh, The largest investigation of its kind since 1972 at 3.20 p.m. on August 26th, your boy's birthday, Alistair Gray, uh, said he saw something unusual about halfway across the loch from his position near Invermorston uh, while participating On the investigation, Gray, a civil servant, reportedly saw three odd and seemingly connected shapes in the water. One part of the shape was sticking out of the water at a 45-degree angle as two humps, two humps, two lovely Nessie humps, (laughs) appeared to be (laughs) rising and falling as though the object was moving. Uh, Then on August 27th, at 1126 a.m., local resident Siobhan Janoway uh, said there was something causing turmoil in the water off Foyer's Point. Then it coalesced into a single object moving at speed just under the surface, causing at least a 20 mile. I'm sorry, a 20-meter, not 20-mile, 20-meter or 65-foot white wake. Although Janaway at first thought a boat might be responsible for the wake, she claimed there were no boats near the location at the time of her sighting. Janaway's sighting is similar to that of French tourist Etienne Camel, or Camel, uh, a pharmacist from Lyon, who, along with his wife Eliane, uh, claimed to have seen a sixty-five foot large dark object mowing below the surface or moving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mowing, huh? Yeah,
0: well, eyes, oh, seaweed. eyes are not uh, eyes are not focusing. Uh, below the surface of Loch Ness while visiting the area on June 15th of this past year. Finally at 1045 AM on August 31st, visitor Fiona Wade reported a shape similar to that reported by Alistair Gray just a few days before. It was almost identical to that scene on Saturday and probably in a very similar location, she said. I might add that I was not aware of this sighting on Saturday until returning home this evening. It initially looked like a periscope, but then two curved areas followed. It was moving and about halfway out in the lock, looking roughly over to midway between Foyers and Whitebridge. I have seen deer crossing before, but this was like nothing I have ever seen before and can only describe it as Nessie, as I can't think of any logical thing it could have been. It was large enough to catch my eye, and it appeared to have a slight wake behind it. The water was reportedly flat and calm with no nearby boat activity during wade sighting, which lasted about 30 to 40 seconds. One popular skeptical explanation for sightings of strange wakes are rogue waves. Rogue waves are waves caused by wind currents and other circumstances that are far larger than average waves at a given time and place. Many skeptics believe that rogue waves can be mistaken for the wake of a large animal. And mundane objects like driftwood or animals such as otters are often used by skeptics to explain sightings of a physical monster. However, some believe that sightings of strange moving objects in Loch Ness like those reported by Gray or Wade are indicative of surviving population of plesiosaurs, uh, although others argue that more recent scientific study make that possibility unlikely.
1: So I have a question for you, a sure. little bit of a nugget for you to chew on. Sure. What if all these cryptids that we keep seeing mm-hmm. are actually the probes from the aliens, and that's their disguise? Oh... Huh? Oh, good, good thought. And that's why we can't get clear pictures, because there's some sort of technology blocking it. Cloaking
0: technology. Exactly. hmm I had thought just of that.
1: Just the thought, food, you know, food for thought.
0: Yeah, good good, good idea. I have another mysterious thing that can't be solved right away. Okay. Unless you've got a, 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 an answer for it. A uh, family is baffled by mysterious footprints that have appeared on their ceiling.
1: <laughs> that's not where feet are supposed to go. Well,
0: if you're doing it right, maybe. I don't know.
1: <laughs> true, that's true. Yeah,
0: a married couple is well. That 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 outlaws it right there. A married couple. <laughs> so we know it's not them. A married couple is perplexed by a strange phenomena that occurred in their vacant home. The couple had left their home in China during the day and returned in the evening, only to be horrified by the discovery of footprints on the ceiling of one of their rooms. They had left the house unoccupied and now wonder if science can explain the mystery. After it's
1: a en- ghost of Spider-Man,
0: yes, that's exactly what it is. It's the ghost of Peter <laughs> Parker. After enigmatic marks appeared on the living room ceiling, and the homeowner turned to social media seeking answers, doesn't seem like they got much of an answer. Uh, Liu, the homeowner from Wuzhong, stated that he was baffled by an unusual occurrence in his empty residence. According to him, when he and his wife departed during the day, the ceiling was spotless. Upon their return in the evening, they found it now appeared as if someone had walked in with dirty boots. Footage captured by Liu himself distinctly show footprints scattered across the ceiling. He mentioned that he and his wife were frightened throughout the night. In the morning, they decided to inspect the living room, but the marks had not vanished. Uh, Liu shared the photo on Duin, which is the Chinese counterpart of TikTok, accompanied by the caption, can science provide an explanation for this? These suddenly appeared when I returned home.
1: Our does China a- own TikTok? They, they do. What versions but- of TikTok do they need? <laughs>
0: Well, it's an American subsidiary that owns it.
1: I know, I know, I know. I'm just joking.
0: Uh, Our house was renovated over 10 years ago, and we can confirm that these marks were not present before. This is very disconcerting. Numerous social media users responded to the man's posts. Many made jokes, uh, suggesting that a malevolent spirit had visited the family or that a previous owner had returned Others began pondering what had truly occurred. The only plausible explanation is that the marks were left before the ceiling was installed. Uh, Perhaps they were initially imperceptible but became visible due to condensation, smoke, etc., wrote a user with the pseudonym Brother Pan. Let me show you these marks real quick here, Bruiser, and you tell me. Okay. I think the condensation or smoke answer is probably the
1: best. Oh, definitely, yeah. 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 Yeah, that looks like, because the type of material that is, if you walk on it with dirty stuff, even if you brush it, it's porous.
0: Yeah, and it'll absorb any marks you put on it.
1: Yep. Yeah. And if you look, it looks like work boots.
0: It does look like work boots, yeah. So I think that one's pretty easily solvable.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: We move on. A life in UK's most haunted city has orphaned voices and visitors strangled by ghosts.
1: (laughs) Orphan voice is okay.
0: Yeah. It's voted one of the best places to live and visit in the UK with beautiful cafes, famous restaurants, winding streets, and a stunning cathedral. But when the bustling daytime crowds disperse, Eerie shadows fall on the city and whispering voices can be heard down dark lanes. York is known as Europe's most haunted city and place host over 500 ghosts and historical tales of peculiar happenings. Almost every cobbled road and ancient building has a scary tale to tell and residents all have their own unexplained hair-raising experiences with specters. From Old Burden Hall, where neighbors hear frightening voices of murdered orphans, to the phantom-infested King's Arms Pub, where a former staff member swears she was strangled by a ghost, the city's rich Roman and Victorian history continues to live on and spook York locals uh, centuries later. To uncover what it's really like to live among ghosts, uh, the Mirror spoke to Mark Graham, who runs the oldest ghost walk in the world, the original Ghost Walk of York. The 68-year-old Mark and his 61-year-old wife, Sharon, meet at 8 p.m. every single night to lead guided tours around the city's dimly lit alleys and haunted buildings. Sharing his own Personal experience with ghosts, Mark said, "I'm not a psychic investigator. I'm a storyteller, and I've seen shapes and shadows. I used to live in the city where the old orphanage stood in Burden. Uh, the ghosts of orphans who were ill-treated are said to haunt it. I've heard those voices many times. While well, Mark is prepared to accept alternative explanations, he said." I do know neighbors of mine who claim to have seen ghostly children in their houses. And they're not alone. One dog walker claimed he could hear the sound of children playing in the street late one night. And when he tried to investigate, his pup started cowering and refused to budge. He barely left his, or he briefly left his pet and entered the passage, and the voices immediately stopped. Another man who was working as an architect on the site said he felt something claw at his shoulder, but nobody was there. He was left with small scratch marks the size of a tiny hand. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, There are several places in the city that have the ghost of a lost boy, Mark explains, mentioning the King's Arms Pub. Some people suggest that he looks like an orphan of the past. Others say he looks like a boy now. Uh, Some believe he stepped into our world and others say we stepped into his. It's a mystery and it seems to be quite a recent apparition. Though the most famous ghost story in York is that of a 17-year-old Harry Martindale who used to work on Mark's Ghost Walks in the 80s. In 1953, Harry was working as a plumber in the cellar of the treasurer's house. He was deep underground when he heard a bugle horn, Mark said. From out of the wall in front of him stepped a Roman soldier. He screamed and fell off his ladder, scampered into the corner, and watched 20 Roman soldiers walk through the wall. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Eventually, he ran out and told everybody, but nobody believed him. He became religious, born-again Christian. It was the only way of coping with what he'd seen. Evidence has since proven that it was where the Roman road, the north-facing Via Cumina, was. Uh, Harry stuck to his story throughout his lifetime until he died a few years ago. The grade one listed building is now owned by the National Trust.
1: And now in that basement, there's his ghost going, told you so. <laughs> That's told right. You, look, told you. Look, there's Roman soldiers right next to me. It's told you. <laughs> Man, this is an annoying ghost. <laughs> You got this weird EVP. All it is is "Told you so."
0: Told you, they're right over there. Uh, according to legend, the corpse of the notorious highwayman Dick Turpin. I think did we talk about Dick Turpin with um, MJ Dixon? I'm trying to remember.
1: Uh, I think you did because I've heard that before, and I don't remember where.
0: Yeah, he was hanged in 1739, and was kept in the cellar of the Blue Boar Pub for people to view. His body was stolen by a friend and buried in a church graveyard called St. George's in the cellar of the pub. And along the houses on that street, the people reckon that they can see him standing at the entrance with his arms up and as if he was pleading for something, maybe even forgiveness, Mark claims. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the highwayman's tale is not the most terrifying pub talk. He says there are lots of stories I cannot tell because they are too disturbing for people and families in York, Mark admitted. Though he claimed there is a pub called the Black Swan where it is not unusual to see people collapse at the bar. Where one of our guides was younger, she opened up, to the, pub, or opened up the pub to work there and suddenly felt something strangling her. She thought it was somebody behind her, so she kicked. But there was nothing there if it only ended when there was a bang at the door and someone came in for a drink the door slammed shut but it and it broke the spell mark said Uh, some people will suggest that ghosts can't harm you physically but they can make you do things to yourself the black swan owners say their boozer is home to a number of ghosts with a whole section on their website dedicated to the reported sightings A regular at the pub who resembles Charlie Chaplin is a workman in a bowler hat who gives the impression that he's waiting for someone as he fidgets frequently before gradually fading away. Another frequently seen ghost is a young woman in a long white dress, they say, who stands at the bar in the back room gazing into the fireplace, while another apparition is a pair of man's legs seen terrifyingly wandering around the staff quarters. When asked what ghosts look like, Mark described just like you or me, or wisps of air, shadows with eyes. They come in many different forms, Harry Martindale said. They looked like perfectly normal human beings, only bedraggled and tired. One of them glanced towards him, but he said he looked right through him. All residents in New York will have their own perceptions and opinions about ghosts, and while not everybody believes in them, they each have their own story." Yorkshireman Mark explained it's part of living in York to have history of the past close at hand. I probably speak to more people than most taking guided tours around and they're always eager to tell you their own personal stories. They often say something like, I don't believe in ghosts, but I'll tell you what happened to me one night. And listening to those stories is always like a bit of a jigsaw. Uh, But where do those specters come from and why do they haunt York? Well, Some people say there's a curtain between life and death, and there's a moment in time where people fall in and out of that, Mark said. Others say it's unresolved passion or pain that needs rest and peace, or there's a hole in time. My own theory is if there's such a thing as the afterlife, I don't think we're supposed to know, because if we did, there'd be no point in living. So there you go
1: definitely going to visit york yeah <laughs> like it just sounds like you show up and you're going to have an experience
0: yeah yeah i think uh, that's probably a good place to just kind of fall into one
1: right because you listed at least a half a dozen pubs it, you know
0: yeah oh yeah you could go on a haunted pub tour and and uh have a party that's for sure
1: all right there's a story well, if somebody in england wants to bring me over well, bring me and you over we could do a cruise on the cruiser haunted pub crawl that'd be cool Throwing it out there for our English listeners.
0: There you go. Maybe we could uh, talk to our good friend MJ. Maybe she could uh, line that up. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. I had a story that you said absolutely sounded chilling. It's time to read that story.
1: <laughs> Great.
0: This has to do with a thousand year old cemetery of child mummies that was found in Peru by gas workers.
1: Oh, that is. Oh. Child, dead, dead dead children That's just no dead oh. children mummies mummies yeah so yeah. they're mummified
0: in a remarkable discovery in the district of Caraballo in Peru archaeologists have unearthed a nearly 1,000 year old pre-Hispanic cemetery containing the remains of infants and children six bodies two neonates and four minors, were meticulously identified and are set to undergo scientific examination Situated on the outskirts of Lima, Peru, the site has become a focal point of archaeological interest following excavations by workers who were installing natural gas pipelines to benefit the local community. The unexpected find prompted an immediate notification to specialists for an in-depth archaeological investigation.
1: How would you like to be the guy digging that ditch?
0: No, you're thank you. You're just
1: digging along, you're just digging along, and all of a sudden, bam, yeah. mommy child.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> uh info bay reported that the uncovering took place on september 22nd of this year revealing that not only ancient bones were there but also well-preserved ceramics and vessels adjacent to an illegal water pipeline running through the site jesus bemande an archaeologist working for the gas company shared with efe that the remains were found bundled in fabric and accompanied by household items such as vessels, pumpkin materials, and wooden tools. The experts suggest that the remains likely date back to around 1100 to 1450 A.D., making them approximately 800 to 1,000 years old. The terrain's sandy and dry nature has contributed to the fair-to-good conservation of the site, preserving even the soft tissues of the remains, a characteristic setting it apart from other discoveries. Interesting. Um, there's a little bit more here. There's a child cemetery involved. Special attention has been drawn to the nature of the bodies uncovered, primarily belonging to children, with a noticeable presence of two babies and four children. The discovery has led Bamande to hypothesize the possibility of the site being a specialized cemetery for minors. Mercedes Vara, another archaeologist on site, noticed the remains were wrapped uh, with materials including cotton. Uh, Piquet leaves and decorated cotton fabrics with bodies positioned in fetal and lotus flower shapes.
1: What if they're all a family and they're just different siblings? They all died at different times and this was just a family. That could it be. A, it was a well off family. You know what I mean?
0: That could be, or it could have been a royal family too. It could
1: have been a royal family, yep.
0: Yeah. The artifacts
1: found alongside the bodies
0: offer glimpses into the lives and rituals of the deceased relatives. Shedding light on funeral practices of the time, the relics serve as a testament to the historical continuity of the region, particularly in the valleys of Rimac, Chileon, and Lurin, and open avenues for further discoveries in Peruvian history. Following the initial phase of archaeological collection, the unearthed bodies will undergo extensive scientific analysis. This will provide insights to the relationship among the remains and the causes of their deaths, unraveling many more layers of this significant find in Peru's rich archaeological tapestry. It's interesting stuff, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: It, it's amazing what we haven't found yet that's buried. You know what I mean? Sure, very true. All right, one more story, and then we're going to talk Ziggy's Picks. All right.
0: That's right. Watching uh, their baby daughter on a baby cam.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I don't think there's any more of a nightmare for young parents than to see their young one being scratched.
1: Oh, no, there's not. Yeah. There, there's a video out there of a, a mother watching her. She happened to be looking at the baby cam, and an intruder came in. And she was able to get in there and scare him off, but that's just terrifying.
0: Yeah. Mom Heather was horrified when her baby woke from a nap with scratches on her cheek and then caught a ghostly figure near her crib. A young couple say they felt no choice but to look for a new home uh, due to a violent spirit after they caught a ghostly figure walking past her daughter's crib. Mom Heather Bro or Brow uh, has woken or had woken her one-year-old baby Lily Higgins from a nap and taken her downstairs when she found three deep purple scratches. On her cheek, Heather, who was living with her partner Josh Higgins at her mom Crystal or Chris, Chris rather Chris's guest house, uh, claims the unexplained injuries prompted them to check the baby camera to see if she had scratched herself when sleeping, and that, that's pretty common. But when they reviewed the footage, they discovered a male figure briskly walking past Lily's bed before disappearing into thin air. Now that is creepy.
1: That's very creepy. Yeah.
0: Um, The pair ended up actively looking for a new home to get away from the haunted property after investigators confirmed the house had paranormal activity. Chris claims the former owner of the home was an elderly lady who lay with a broken hip for a very long time until she was found dead at the bottom of the stairs. Her brother lived in the guest house until his death some years later. Heather from Michigan said, this is a spirit. I don't know what its intentions are, but at this point, it's becoming physically harmful. This has made us want to leave as soon as possible. As soon as possible, we're out of here. Seeing Lily's face with the scratches was so bizarre and frightening. There was no explanation as to how that would have happened. It happened within 20 minutes. Josh changed her quickly, gave her some snacks, ran out to bring the groceries in with me. I went to take her into the kitchen to help put the groceries away, and then I saw her face. I was crying. What happened to you? I grabbed her jacket and ran over to my mother-in-law's house, and nobody had known what happened. We wondered if she had scratched herself, but when we put her hands up to the scratches, it did not match up. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible this is the previous tenant, meaning the ghost. Uh, The creepy sighting on their baby camera is far from the first for Heather, who claims she experienced months of ghostly goings-on. She claimed to have heard screaming, stomping, and laughing while home alone and was even woken from her sleep by the sound of a male shouting, Heather said. There have been times where me and my fiancé would wake up in the morning and would hear an angry male voice like someone had stubbed their toe. If I'm in the shower and I hear someone running up and down the steps, the first couple of times it happened— I thought my fiancé and his brother were running up and down the stairs for things, but when I opened the door, no one was there. I woke up to get ready for work one morning, and it felt like someone was choking me. It shook me to the point where I decided to buy our camera. One time, from dead out of my sleep, I heard this man scream, and it scared me. I woke up Josh and said, did you hear that? And he heard nothing. Chris, Heather's mom, mother-in-law, uh lives in the main house with her husband, Jim, and claims that they've had paranormal investigators confirm that there's ghostly activity on the property. She claimed to have no idea what could have caused the incidents in the guest house. Chris, also from Michigan, said, prior to watching the footage, my daughter-in-law had brought the baby over. She was crying, very upset, and the baby had scratches on her cheek. At first I thought, well, she's a baby. Maybe she scratched herself. But then the next day I looked at it and they were deep, like bluey-purple scratches. They were pretty prominent, and so there's no way that she could have done that herself. Ever since the incident happened, they don't leave the baby alone in any particular room. They put her to bed and make sure that they are upstairs with her. They're together at all times, except when she's at daycare. Lily now points to the corners of her room and babbles, uh, which she hasn't done before. They moved in November as a short-term stay, but I think what's going on over there with the ghost sighting has made it even shorter. The century-old house has a twisted past, and Chris has now vowed to have the guest house investigated as well. Chris said, I was told when we bought the houses 11 years ago, the lady who owned the property died in the main house. It's an old farmhouse, and according to her niece, who is the beneficiary, she fell down the stairs, broke her hips, and laid there for a very long time before she passed away. She said that the guest house was built for the lady's brother, who was schizophrenic. Uh, he has also passed away i don't know how or where but that's the background i was told we had many experiences in our main house we had an investigator twice or in both we had an investigator come out twice and both times they found evidence of a presence we've not had the guest house investigated yet but we'll be getting one out after this so there you go
1: it makes sense with the male screaming if the the person that was living there had schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And I can see being an angry ghost. If you break your hips and no one finds you, that would piss me off.
0: True. Unless you know, sometimes scratches can be misconstrued. It could be yeah. that that older lady reaching out to to play with the baby and might have accidentally scratched the baby.
1: Yep. Doesn't know yeah. the strength yet. Exactly.
0: Exactly. There's many things that that could be going on there and without proper communication you don't know. And exactly. If you only have a paranormal team out twice to try and make contact, you'll never know. And if they're not a properly trained team, you right. you may never know as well.
1: So Yep. Yeah.
0: It's a time folks we're uh, we're going to check in with Ziggy's picks. Uh, Ziggy and Talia this week had it was a tale of two different
1: dogs, but
0: they weren't <laughs> separated by very much. No, they weren't. No, and the um the late games and the Monday games really were were key,
1: and yeah, they were. Yeah, and Talia out of nowhere is just on fire.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, interesting story. So this week, uh, Bruiser Ziggy was eight and eight. Went five hundred for the week. Not a bad week at all. Not
1: a bad week at all.
0: And Talia, you and I all went ten and six,
1: which is insane. <laughs> yeah, which is a good week. Yeah, it's a very good week.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, the games, really again,
1: were unpredictable and didn't know how stuff was going to happen. You know, I mean, you knew Kirk Cousins wasn't going to clock the ball, so you knew that. <laughs> but everybody else didn't know that. You know what I mean? Um, no, and you know it – Dallas getting their butt handed to them. Nobody knew that. But Arizona, nonetheless. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, there's these games that happen that you're like, oh, my God.
0: You know, there were there were a couple teams that needed to get off the schneid though. The Bengals were one and they did.
1: Yep. They got off
0: I the schneide. I didn't schneid. see that
1: coming because Joe Burrow still hurt.
0: But but he he sucked it up and, and got it done.
1: Well yeah, he didn't throw any passes over ten yards for the first half, they were saying, because it's his push off foot.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh there were there were teams that stepped up like the Cardinals. Yeah. Shock of all shocks. Yeah. That, that caused unexpected wins. And there were teams that were looking pretty good that didn't step up, like the Titans. The Browns beat the Titans. And the Browns kind of, pardon the expression, crapped the bed.
1: I thought Titans 100% because Nick Chubb is out. and right. And Watson's good, but Chubb was their main offensive guy.
0: Right, and, and how do you run the play action if you don't have Chubb? Exactly. Yeah, it it just isn't as convincing. But but uh, after looking not so great the week before, the Browns come out and look even better. Yeah. Which that's I guess a sign of good coaching, right? I guess. Yeah. So, and you know, the Raiders are really a tale of two teams. You you don't know what they are. No, you don't. And they they looked horrible this this week.
1: Just well horrible. Garoppolo got hurt, didn't he?
0: Yeah, but he played most of the game.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and so but but he looked horrible in the game.
1: Yeah. He went to bed before the end of it.
0: There was there was one pass towards the end of the game where he I don't think Devonte Adams knew what he was doing. He he's standing, you know, he he's standing split out left, and Garoppolo just turns and it looks like he wanted to throw him just like a little bubble screen, but I don't think Devontae knew that that was the play.
1: There was a couple times that happened. Yeah. I noticed, and and where the receiver did one route and Garoppolo did another. That happened in Dallas too,
0: right? And and Garoppolo said, "Well, with Devonte, you know, we can pretty much do anything, and we can be on the same page." No, he needs to know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, like like I said, I noticed it with the Cowboys. I noticed it with the Raiders, and I, obviously the Vikings. But like, yeah. Even though we're week three, they should still be on the same page where they know what route they're taking. Right, You know, right.
0: Yeah. It, there's there's just some – we're getting to the point now where there are some definite discrepancies between who the powerhouse teams are in the league and who's going to be at the bottom of their division. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, and you may say, well, there's it's only been three games, Tim. Come on. But, no, the, the teams that are, have pretty much shown their ass, you know who's going to be bad, who's going to be good.
1: Yeah, the only thing that's going to derail some of these good teams are injuries. Yes. You know? Yeah. But, like, it, the Packers and the Lions will be in top of the NFC North. The Buccaneers, I'm sorry, the Eagles are definitely going to be Super Bowl contenders. 49ers, definitely Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, yeah. But, like, what happened with the Rams? What happened with the Chargers? What happened with the Bengals? Yeah, the Bengals won, but they're, they're what, 1-2 and two now? Like, no one predicted that.
0: yeah. And, and a lot of people thought, well, the Lions easily will run away with the North this year. I don't think so. The Packers are going to give I them a I think run. the
1: Packers and the Lions are going back, and, and it's going to find out Sunday. Yeah. Is it Sunday or Monday? One of, the, one of the two. They're playing the Lions this week. So yeah. yeah, it's going to be a good game. That's going to be the divisional playoff game, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Or the absolutely. conference, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So,
1: And then the winner of that will go on and play, I bet, the 49ers.
0: Right, right. So the way, the, the way it breaks down so far... As far as the over the the total season so far, we played forty eight games. Uh, Ziggy's at point four three seven five, twenty one okay. and twenty seven. Okay. okay. Uh, Talia is at thirty and eighteen, or a point six two five percentage.
1: Is just blowing my mind. <laughs>
0: Bruiser It may become Bruiser's picks From here on out
1: <laughs> Bruiser's no, also because I, I do research And I I know what's going on The dogs don't do research The dogs just look at the thing And and we try to separate them This last time we didn't Because Ziggy just wanted to know Where Talia was the whole time And it was hard to keep them apart But I'm gonna I have a room now I can take Ziggy into To keep them separate Because I do think Talia's stealing some of that energy
0: I, I think so too Yeah um, But uh, Bruiser's at point 625 as well. He he's at 30 and 18. I'm at 28 and 20. And I and I'm at a 583 average. So so far, even though the NFL has been somewhat unpredictable, it hasn't been that unpredictable.
1: Right. There's still the teams that you can say this is a team this year. This is a team this year after what they did last year. Yeah. It's more how about this? There's no What was it, last year, two years ago, when the Lions started winning, everyone's like, oh, my God, where'd this team come from? There's none of that this year. There's no underdog team that's having a great season. It's pretty much teams we thought would be great Mm -hmm. are just shit in the bed. And teams that we thought would be great are being great.
0: Right, right. So here's the magical benchmark, folks. The magical benchmark, according to James Randi, rest in peace, was that seven out of ten blind picks would make you psychic.
1: Okay.
0: Okay, so so far, Bruiser and Talia are right on that edge.
1: <laughs> so she'll be happy to know that when I tell her later. There you go. So Of course I can't tell her in front of Ziggy.
0: But that's that's just that's just on um, that's just on on a overall on the overall season. Which isn't bad. So if if you were if the two of you walked into a casino tomorrow First of all, I don't know why they let the dog bet.
1: but I can get a service vest for her.
0: There you go. But if the two of you walked in tomorrow into a, a Vegas casino, you do pretty well.
1: Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, Talia and I are going to Vegas to play some blackjack. There you go. What do we do, Talia? Hit, hit or stay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but again, folks, to keep up on, on Ziggy and Talia's picks, or all of our picks for that matter, because we, we list them all before the Thursday night game, uh, you just simply go to darknessradioshow.com and click on the
1: Ziggy's picks. And there's always video to go along with it yep. so you can see I'm not giving them treats. I'm not – I'm just – I hold it up, tell them what they want to hear, and the two of them choose. Yep. And I thought at first, when I first started doing this with Talia too, I thought, oh, she's just going to choose the one that Ziggy chose because the way Ziggy chooses is she'll look and then she bites – Yep, The one she likes. So yep. I thought that's what Talia. If you watch the videos, Talia doesn't do that. Talia looks, she sniffs, and then she paws. Oh, okay. Yeah. And at first I thought, oh, she's just going to choose the same one Ziggy is because Ziggy's saliva is on it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hasn't been the case. If you look, there's times where they're against each other. And Mrs. Bruiser has a list of – because she does the picks too for here at home. Mm-hmm. And like last week we had one where it was uh, – what, what game was it? I think it was the Packer game. Okay. Where where the dogs chose the Saints, we chose the Packers. So it was humans versus dogs. Yep. <laughs> you there know? you go. and she like yeah. kind of makes a game out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it, it it's not humanly influenced, you know, it's just the two of them doing it. And like I try to tell people online and stuff. They don't do statistics, they don't do yeah, if I have Sports Center on, they're obviously in the room with me, but it's not like they know. <laughs> you know right. like on Sunday yeah. when we're watching Fox, they don't know what Terry Bradshaw is saying. They're just an the old bald man talking. <laughs> you oh, know? I, I think they were
0: all listening when he was uh, running down Kirk Cousins. I, I think they all. I <laughs>
1: Jimmy think Jimmy Jackson was so good. I think secretly <laughs> Ziggy was going,
0: that's right, just listen to the goddamn Helmet.
1: I thought Jimmy Johnson was going to fly to Minnesota to slap Kirk Cousins upside the head after his tirade on him about not clocking the ball. I'm like, wow, Jimmy's getting on a plane.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I really wish Kevin O'Connell would have made Kirk Cousins stand up at a press conference and apologize to the people of Minnesota. For being such an idiot. <laughs> One, for not listening to his coach. Two, for, you know, trying to take the team into his own hands because he's not capable. Three, for throwing an interception in such a horrible spot. And then four, trying to blame the fans of Minnesota. He blamed
1: the fans, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he blamed the fans for being too loud.
1: He hasn't come out and publicly apologized no, yet, huh?
0: No, no, uh-uh, no. He wouldn't dare. God. For being too loud. Oh, you're being too
1: loud. You know, you know what it is. This wife's gotta make the apology because she does everything else for him.
0: Oh, she won't. <laughs> she's she's just as arrogant. <laughs> Do it before October thirty first, Ziggy. Do it before <laughs> October thirty first, Quasi. Pull the trigger. We want Brock Purdy here in Minnesota.
1: <laughs> not happening. San Francisco is not giving up Purdy. You watch. You can get a Carson Wentz.
0: No, we don't want Wentz here.
1: You can get a Matt Ryan.
0: No, I don't want Matt Ryan here either. Although we get the same result with Matt Ryan. That's what they're talking about here in Carolina. You guys are ready to give up already on the young kid? He's hurt.
1: Jesus.
0: Well, I know I saw Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton didn't look that bad.
1: No, he did very well. They weren't expecting him to do as well as he did.
0: Honest to God, I'd take Andy Dalton in a minute over Cousins.
1: Oh, I would too. Andy Dalton just has doesn't have longevity. Like he's he's one, you know. Yeah. I I I'd personally go after Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has a Super Bowl ring.
0: You know. But didn't he get that sitting on the side?
1: For like half the season, but then the other half he led the team. Everyone thought, oh, this is it. Nick Foles. Oh, where is Nick Foles? I think he's retired, isn't he? Yeah, Nick Foles won the ring. That's what it was. It was Nick Foles. Yeah, yeah you're right. So it was Carson Wentz. So never mind. I take back. I don't want. Carson Yeah, you don't want Carson, <laughs> Carson Wentz. No. I definitely don't want Matt Ryan. Uh, I, yeah, I, I.
0: No, Matt. Well, Matt Ryan has, has seen better days. I mean, he's just—he's yeah, he's you know just old. Yeah, I mean, he, old and he's beat up. He's a—he's a decent backup, but he's not—he's not, he's not going to be the guy to to run your team.
1: I agree. That's—that's that's what Carolina needs right now.
0: He'd be a decent bridge quarterback if your quarterback is coming back in two weeks. Yeah, you know.
1: Yep. Carolina needs a quarterback. It's that simple. I don't know where you... Yeah, and I think the reason that Dalton did so well is he kept connecting with Thielen. And Thielen's yes. a damn good receiver.
0: Yes, he is. And then there was no reason for the Vikings to, to let him go either.
1: I don't know why you guys did, and I'm happy that he came to Carolina. But, uh, yeah, Jefferson on one side, Thielen on the other... It, Hodgkin's in the middle. Like, come on. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, um, it's it was Kirk. Let's just blame Kirk.
0: Well, that, that's a lot of it. It was his big contract, but it, you know, it, it comes down to economics and sure. They, they went out and got Addison in the, in the draft. And my God, if you would have seen him bruiser on Sunday, that kid turned it up. He's going to yeah. be something special. Even with, with Kirk missing him left and right and, and throwing behind him, throwing above him, uh, Addison made a catch on the sideline. He he tiptoed on that sideline and made a catch that took your breath away. Nice. The kid's going to be something special. Yeah. But you know the fact fact of the matter is is that until game three, Cousins didn't even look at him. Well. Right. Even though you should be trusting him, the kid can run routes like there's no tomorrow. He's fast, and boy, can he tiptoe that sideline. He's something special. Mm-hmm. But you're not using him like he used Thielen. Yeah. You know, the trust isn't there. With Hawkinson, okay, yeah, you, the, the trust is there, but at the same time, he's not your be-all-end-all. You've got Oliver, who has proven to you now that he can catch a football and not just block. You can spread the ball between two time or two tight ends, and this guy is all world at tight end. He was for the the Ravens last year. Yeah, so you've got more people to throw to. You've got a whole offense to spread the ball.
1: The downside is you have Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, and he can't see the field. Nope. He, you know, he, that's what's wrong with Justin Fields right now. If you watch that Bears game, Justin Fields doesn't look at the field. He doesn't Kirk Cousins. Here's my first guy. He's covered. Check them every time.
0: But but the difference between Fields and Cousins is Fields at least wants to take off and run.
1: That's true. Yes, I will give you that. He just does it too much because he hangs on to the ball too long.
0: And that's what Cousins does. He, 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 he can't feel the pressure around him. Yeah. He has no pocket presence whatsoever. So he holds on to the ball too long and he's he's busy staring down his primary receiver and at the last minute, he looks to see if he has a check down. Yeah. But he's not looking around the field looking for a second or third receiver. He's not using his legs to extend the play. He's old. He's uh, in the shits. <laughs> he's old in the shits. He's the drizzling shits. And I don't know <laughs> what it is that the, these apologists think they see. You know, he, he's, yeah. he's never, never going to get you past the first round of the playoffs.
1: You, you guys won't even make playoffs this year. No, we won't. And start, no. you're done. Th-
0: that's true. If it, as
1: much as these cousins apologists love statistics, I think they're the only zero three team now, too, right? Because the Jets won one.
0: Um, I don't know. I have to look, but if you if you want, if cousins apologists love statistics, here's your statistic: the last zero three team to make the playoffs, 2018. Yes, the Houston Texans. And before that, it was a few years. It's something like 6%
1: of... They said uh, there was a, a thing, because it was the Chargers versus the Vikings, and one of them was going to be 0-3 after the game. And they said that out of the 100 years or whatever's of the NFL, only six teams have gone 0-3 and gone into the playoffs. Yeah. In the history of the NFL. It's pretty slim. Yeah.
0: And I don't, I don't think they have it. They have too many holes on defense, too. It's just, oh,
1: yeah.
0: you know, in, in order for them to make a move to solidify the defense, they need, they need a run stuffer. I mean, Bullard is pretty good in the middle, but he's not, he's not all, be all end all. Yeah. So they either need to bring in Andomic and Sue, or they need to bring in, um, who's the other one that's a free agent that's out there right now?
1: Um Sue's a free agent, huh?
0: Yeah, Sue's still no a agent. No one picked agent. him
1: up, huh? No. Oh, he's wrong. getting old. He's he wants, getting old.
0: He's old and he wants too much money. Yeah. And there's uh there's uh oh, the one that we used to have here. Was it uh Dalvin Tomlinson?
1: He's free agent too, really. I th- okay.
0: I think he is, yeah. I th- one of them is still out there. Yeah. Um, but uh but there's there's still a couple of run stoppers out there that that we can sign. And Honestly, the the um, who's the linebacker that we used to have here from UCLA that's still out there. Um, there's still a linebacker out there that well, we need a, another solid linebacker out
1: there. Yeah,
0: because we we do have holes in the secondary, but you're not going to find a good corner right now.
1: No, you're all picked up already.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's just not a good corner out there, so you gotta you gotta play with what you got. Yeah. So you need a good interior defense in order to, in order to stop the run. Because what happens, and you saw it again on Sunday, is they're good at stopping the run in the first and second quarters. And then if you just keep pounding the ball on them, you'll open stuff up.
1: Yep. And the red zone defense is not there.
0: No, it's not. So it, it, And that's got to be frustrating the hell out of Flores. He's not that type of coach. Right. You know? To be giving up the that whole, the many whole
1: thing, especially coming off of last season where you guys had a pretty decent season. You know, for yeah. all of Kirk's flaws, you guys had a good team last year.
0: Well, because they weren't turning over the ball and
1: they lead the league Again, in turnovers. Yeah, yeah. now you know, I, they are number one in turnovers, aren't they? Yeah,
0: nine now. Yeah. Nine, nine turnovers.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, they weren't turning over the ball and they, they weren't making mistakes. They're, they were the least penalized team in the league, I think, last year, close to it.
1: Which that's what killed Dallas this week. Is just, I think they had eleven or twelve penalties. Yeah, can't do that. And win games.
0: Nope. Uh, it's it's frustrating. Uh, but you know they they turned over a lot of their roster, so you're going to yeah. have it happen. And yep. and they went younger, which you're going to have that happen with a younger team.
1: Just like the Packers did, but the Packers younger guys mesh really well.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's not you know not going to be the pa- not going to be the vikings year it's going to be the packers nope. and lions so
1: yep and i think the lions will beat the packers i think so too i I, I hate to say that but i just think they're the the youth is going to catch up with the packers
0: yeah but it, it, it won't be by much
1: that's no thing. no 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 it'll be a field goal if anything yeah it's going to be a good game it's going to be a tough yeah. game it's yeah. going to come down to a turnover i bet
0: yeah yeah so It'll be fun to watch, but yeah. So that's Ziggy's Picks. Uh, again, darknessradioshow.com. Uh, go to Ziggy's Picks, and you can you can check out more as far as uh, football goes. We got one more story left here, Bruiser, for for today. Uh, I told you there's a dolphin sex scandal that's rocking the UK. <laughs> yes, there is. The quote is, and I know you people are saying, why is this so supernatural or paranormal? Have you ever been fucked by a dolphin in the ocean? Probably not. <laughs> that's what's so supernatural about it.
1: Or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the dolphins leave the planet because they know it's gonna end. That's right. Look at that. Brought it around.
0: That thank you, bruiser. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh this is the quote, he hooked his penis over my arm. It was normal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's not normal. No, that's 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 abnormal. never had a penis around my arm and went, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's how that works.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the northeast of England, during the late 1980s, Alan Cooper was known by locals as a passionate animal rights activist who devoted all of his energy into freeing captive dolphins. He would post leaflets about veganism and animal cruelty through letterboxes and organized marches to enlist more supporters to try to disrupt leisurely attractions like Flamingoland. So his heart was in the right place, right? It was, it was. But it wasn't until Cooper was accused of taking his passion way too far that all eyes and ears finally fell on him. The animal dolphin, didn't he? Yeah, well (laughs) let's not let's not jump to the end of the story here. All right, bruiser. All right. We we gotta let it simmer, we gotta let it build, we gotta let's not jump to the end.
1: Don't get to the dolphin orgy yet. Okay.
0: No dolphin orgies yet, my friend. Hold on. That's what she said. Uh, The animal campaigner had an unusually special bond with a bottlenose dolphin called Freddy, who arrived in Amble, which is a small fishing port on the coast of Northumberland in 1987. The pair of them would swim together for hours in the harbor, just frolicking and swimming and swimming and frolicking.
1: There's nothing with swimming. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah, swimming with dolphins. Have you ever, yeah. Have you ever? Yeah.
1: well, the Jericho cruise. Did you go do the thing with the dolphins? I didn't. I didn't. It was too expensive, so I didn't do it. But I, I, I want to. I want to swim with dolphins. I want to swim with sharks. See, I did that. I did the thing with the dolphins. It was, yeah.
0: it was, fine. It was fine. It was good. I got to meet dolphins.
1: Yeah, and you can hang on to them, and they'll drive you everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I didn't <laughs> screw one. But yeah, but I, I did the thing with dolphins. So it was very good. It was fine. didn't screw you, right? No, no. I didn't oh. feel any dolphin penis.
1: There you go. You're yeah, good.
0: But I, it was good. Uh, then in 1990, a boatload of people, including the owner of the Flamingoland Dolphinarium. That's a new word for me, Dolphinarium.
1: Dolphinarium, huh?
0: Yeah. Uh, Peter Bloom is a guy's name. Claimed to have witnessed Cooper masturbating a dolphin in the water. <laughs> I'm just going to let that ruminate for a minute. Oh, Cooper was masturbating a dolphin in the water, and a complaint was filed to police. Well, yeah. What are the police gonna do when you're beating <laughs> off a dolphin?
1: Hey, you got a guy jerking off dolphins? Yeah, we'll stop.
0: <laughs> do i draw my gun on this one like can we tase them <laughs> yeah do we tase them no you don't want to launch an electrode into the water you'll get everybody
1: <laughs> what kind of ticket is that yeah it's really a decent exposure i mean bestiality so you can be harming an yes. animal. well you're not really yes. harming an animal no though.
0: you are it's bestiality it's it's cruelty to animals you're jerking
1: them off <laughs> it's not a pleasurable thing <laughs> Unless the dolphin,
0: dolphin enjoys it, unless the dolphin's asking for it,
1: the dolphin wasn't going. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> they, they do that uh-huh. anyways. That's how they communicate. Well, this guy—he's no, he, friends with Freddy, so let's see what he—why he was jerking him. Well, off.
0: he's Freddy's friend, not Freddy's <laughs> friend. We don't know that. Well, let's find out. So Cooper got a complaint filed against him. The animal rights activist was arrested, and the rumor of him molesting the mammal quickly gathered nationwide attention, and people were outraged by the alleged perversion. I have a picture of Alan Cooper here that I can show you briefly if you'd like to see the, the dolphin off? <laughs> the dolphin jerker. <laughs> there he is right there.
1: Oh, yeah, he looks like he jerks off dolphins.
0: <laughs> what, what does a guy who jerks off dolphins look like? That picture. <laughs> he kind of looks like a dime store David Hasselhoff.
1: Exactly. Jerks off dolphins. That's why Baywatch was canceled. <laughs> That's what they
0: mean by Baywatch. Uh, Cooper's friendship with Freddie was turned against him. And while he was later found not guilty at a trial in the crown court. Can you imagine being the magistrate I- who has to hear that one?
1: <laughs> so let me see. You were...
0: Jerking off a dolphin. (laughs) Mr. Cooper, I have to ask, do you spit in your hand or use the ocean?
1: (laughs) Just curious. Who instigated said jerking?
0: (laughs) Did the dolphin ask for it or did you just assume? There's (laughs) so many ways you could go with this. Anyways, so. Brings a new
1: meaning to blowhole. Oh, come on.
0: (laughs) Come on, Bruiser. Uh, the effects of the... Okay, so Crown's friendship with Freddie was turned against him, and while he later fought, was found not guilty at a trial in the Crown Court, the effects of the accusation hugely impacted his reputation as an animal protector. Protector, bruiser. Protector. Protector? I thought he screwed her.
1: <laughs> I don't have my... I don't have my... Does he? You gotta... I'm still know. waiting for the reason why he was jerking off a dolphin. <laughs>
0: He didn't. In court, he said he didn't, and he won. He
1: said, <laughs> you have no I, video I, footage. I wasn't jerking the dolphin off. I was trying to re-steer him. How did how did somebody see it? Because the dolphin, did he put the dolphin on his back and of just going to town on him? Like How well, would somebody see that? Well, now, they
0: they explain to you, as you go to engage the dolphin... That you can't pet them a certain way because it's jerking them off. <laughs> it's true. When anybody who's done the thing in the Bahamas,
1: when you go to when you so go if you to, don't do that thing, it's not common knowledge. Right, but that's why you have instructors there that are trained. So he could have just been petting the dolphin, thinking I'm petting the dolphin. Saw the chubby going, oh, Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, if you pet me the wrong way, that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: bruiser. Are you just trying to show me which direction north is? (laughs) Um, All right. So back to the story. So the effects of the accusation hugely impacted Cooper's reputation as an animal protector. Now, three decades later, the true story of the 90s wild dolphin sex scandal is the subject of a new Wondery six-part podcast series. I know you're all going to look for it after this program. Called Hooked on Freddy.
1: Not Freddy Got Fingered? (laughs) Oh, God, no. Not Freddy Got Fingered. It's a movie. Yeah, I know. I know. Podcast yeah, host. I rented that movie thinking it was about the dolphin. I was wrong. <laughs> no, no, it's not, not about the dolphin.
0: <laughs> wow, Mr. Cooper, you've got fingers like Eddie Van Halen. Mm. Uh, podcast host and journalist Becky Milligan, who actually swam with Freddie back in 1990, but kept her hands to herself.
1: No, she had his baby.
0: Oh! <gasps> <gasps> was part of university research and has brought back the topic into the spotlight, focusing on the one incident that was reported to police by a boatload of people.
1: (laughs) Again, how did the boatload of people know he was doing it?
0: Maybe because he had My Heart Will Go On playing in the background.
1: He had candles everywhere, a little dinner (laughs) floating next to him.
0: (laughs) A little Frisky's Buffet. see what i did there right
1: i saw yeah
0: on cooper's website he describes the moment in his own words oh are you ready for this
1: i jerked off a dolphin
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's not what he said
1: i passionately gave freddie a (laughs) (laughs) handjob he didn't
0: say that either
1: (laughs) Did he victim blame? Please don't tell me
0: he victim blamed. He victim shamed. Uh, No, he said, Freddie was his usual self, sometimes hooking me with his penis to the leg or arm. (laughs) It was all perfectly normal, to me at least. It was only later when I was provided with the police statements that I realized otherwise.
1: (laughs) Wait, you're not supposed to do this with dolphins? (laughs)
0: Yeah, he just dick-hooked
1: me to the arm. I figured it was natural. I've seen a couple dolphin shows. I've never seen that happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he just dick-hooked me around the hand, so I I led him around by it.
1: He was asking for it. He's victim-blaming.
0: Yeah. Bloom, the expert, had been speaking to people on Easton's boat... Oh, so he walked right up to the boat with some some uh, dolphin schlong in his hand. He's like, hey, you ever seen dolphin dick before? Take a look at this. Look what I caught. <laughs> you want to see if he can shoot a rope onto the first deck there?
1: <laughs> What's a the facial? Anybody? Anybody? a facial? Come on. <laughs> It's good um, for your skin. Look at mine. Oh, look at my glowing skin. <laughs> so he went up. Okay, now we know how the people saw it. Yes! <laughs> He's just like, oh, hey, <laughs> on, a, on a tour? That's Freddie. Oh, Freddy. He's good. He's good. That's
0: not Freddy applauding, is it? <laughs> uh, Bloom, the expert, had been speaking to people on Easton's boat. Part of Bloom's police statement read, "You won't get near, he's wanking off
1: the dolphin." <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, hey captain. Yeah. Avoid that area.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, uh, you won't get near him. He's wanking off a dolphin.
1: <laughs> Stay away from that saltwater. <laughs>
0: Speaking about the effects of the claims on Cooper, podcaster Milligan told The Guardian, Allen had a reputation in the Northern Animal Rights Movement. He was way too kind to animals. <laughs> and to be accused of that was the most damaging thing. <laughs> to who? Uh, it's difficult to express what that did to him, and to be accused of abusing the very thing you're trying to protect. Milligan had the opportunity to speak to Cooper one-on-one and explained that his whole reason for being was helping people and looking after animals, though said listeners will have to make up their own minds (laughs) about what happened out at sea that day. Rich Knight, head of podcast content at Wondery, told Variety, Hooked on Freddy is an extraordinary story (laughs) which is both joyously uplifting and deeply poignant. It's about a magical friendship between species and a bitter rivalry between humans. At its heart, I'm trying to read this with a straight face, at its heart, it is a story about how we should treat wild animals.
1: (laughs) And you know what, Tim?
0: Yeah? Mm -hmm. There's a happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is. (laughs) He went on to say we're delighted to work with Becky Milligan, who has followed the story from the very beginning and tells it with sensitivity and wit.
1: (laughs) In case any dolphins are listening. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want
0: to offend the dolphins. Uh, The first two episodes of the series by Wondery and Blanchard House are now available to listen on Wondery and other podcast platforms. Ask for it by name, uh, Foppin' on Freddy. (laughs) I mean, Hooked on Freddy.
1: (laughs) Now remember, anytime you get a penis hooked around your arm, do not jerk it off. You're gonna get, it's going to ruin your career.
0: <laughs> that's what Michael Jackson said to all the kids. <laughs> Anyways, by uh, mm. God, anywho, that that's how we end today's supernatural <laughs> news. Because I find it really damn hard to believe this guy didn't <laughs> jerk off a dolphin. That would be supernatural in itself.
1: Yes. Yeah. Bruiser, what you got going on this weekend? I'm not jerking off dolphins. I can tell you that much.
0: <laughs> you don't train the youth of America to do that.
1: No, there's uh, no dolphin jerking in my class. Okay. <laughs> Amlwrestling.com/slash/training if you want to train with me um, on Sunday, October 1st. AML is in Kernsville, North Carolina. Yes, Good sir. Show going
0: on. Yes, sir. You can also watch it on Title Match Network, as Title I intend to Network. do. Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> there be no no dolphins. There's
0: no appearances by any dolphins on today on uh, Sunday's <laughs> Sunday's card.
1: Eddie, do you think that guy's banned from dolphins games here in Miami? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt, Mister Cooper. would hey, just put his penis around my arm. What a way! <laughs>
0: You would think that'd be Mr. Watson over in Cleveland. Uh, hey, that gives hanging with Mr. Cooper a brand new meaning, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: There's a new meaning dolphin safe, too.
0: Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, birds.
1: Tomorrow on the program. What do we got?
0: <laughs> Tomorrow on the program. Thank you for that That. Quick pivot there. That's what that's what the dolphins say. Um, tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking about the Estes method of EVP collection. You know, last week when we had uh, Adam Barry on, he talked a little bit about the Estes method with uh, Amy Bruni and how it helped them in a case. So we're going to talk with Nicole Tito. And we're going to talk about her exclusive use of the Estes method in her investigations. She's written a new book called ghostly voices.
1: Okay.
0: And it deals specifically with the Estes method. So we're going to get into that tomorrow. She's got some EVP that we're going to play that has to do with the Estes method and some of the remarkable um, results she's got with the Estes method. So nice. Yeah. So that's tomorrow on the program. I got nothing for this weekend. I'm uh, I'm gonna go to the Minnesota Zoo and look at the dolphin cages.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> it's just me and the chipmunks building the nuts bar. That's what we're doing this weekend. <laughs> Have a few pink squirrels hang out.
1: Wait for King Charles.
0: Wait for King Charles to show up in the helicopter. That's all I got. That's it. Folks, I want to thank you so much for continuing to listen to our nonsense week after week here on the show. (laughs) Uh, Again, if you have a guest you want to hear here on the show, uh, send an email to me, timiddarknessradio.com. If you have a, 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 a... a story for either Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals, or for Supernatural News. You can forward it to that email address as well. Or Parashare Stories. We need your Parashare Stories. Either send it to Tim at or go to DarknessRadioShow.com. There's a blue button on the right-hand side. Click that blue button. You have two minutes to leave your voice note. If you need more than two minutes, click the blue button again. Add another two minutes. I'll stitch them together. We'll play your lovely voice here on this program that's going to do it for today for beer city bruiser i'm tim dennis thank you so much for continuing to listen to the best in paranormal prod podcasting this is darkness radio